And welcome to a very special show of the Veteran Gamers Podcast. Um, This show is to celebrate pretty much all things Dead Space, you know. Um, I was told at some point that I had to get a room with another podcaster, and uh, and we finally got that room together, so I'd like to uh, welcome JSS Lifelike from the Gamesman Podcast. Hey, Stuart, how are you? It is it is fantastic to finally get a chance to sit down and talk with you, and we're going to be talking one of our favorite uh, topics. Yeah, we de- definitely are. Dead Space, love the franchise, and we're going to pretty much cover everything we know about the game, uh, the universe, and all that sort of stuff, so we're going to go through all of that stuff. Um, I, d- I was going to ask you, though, you- you're becoming a bit of a podcast whore, aren't you, at the moment? Yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. Actually, everywhere but my own show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had noticed that, you know, I mean, you've been on, you know, the Overseas Connection and a few other shows, haven't you, recently? What other stuff yeah. have you been on? You've been on quite a lot of stuff. I'm uh, still working on Pixel Tracks, our, our music um, trivia show that that, uh, that we do. Uh, actually, the last uh, the last podcast that we were supposed to do, the full-fledged show, I had a bit of an issue with the fried power supply, which was probably from playing like seven or eight hours of The Witcher straight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know what? I am, I've got to say I'm pretty jealous, although I've heard rumors recently, you know, and interestingly, we, we saw The Witcher 2 demonstrated at Eurogame last year. So we went to went along to watch a demo of that, and I was so impressed with the all the open world aspects of it. The fact, you know, I mean, the thing that impresses the most, and it's it's only you know a silly little thing, I guess, but the fact you could move from, you know, inside to outside, and there was no loading screens or anything. It just sort of was what smooth transition, you know, from one area to another. It's pretty impressive, it, and it is gorgeous <laughs> to boot. <laughs> you Do know, you- I mean. Do you find yourself being really, like, sort of in the game because of that? Do you find yourself not, like, you know, getting engrossed into it? Well, you know, me, I I can get into pretty much anything, you know. But the biggest thing for me was actually unhooking the the PC and taking it downstairs and plugging it in HDMI to the home theater and really listening to it and turning the lights out and just soaking everything in. And it is just one beautiful, immersive product. Can I just ask, when you say a home theater, have you got a room that is like a little theater in your house? Is this what? Well, you're no, it's just my, you know, my my display device, my my actual home theater, my stereo, you know, my audio system, and uh, that in five point one is pretty pretty nifty. Yeah, I can imagine. I did have this image then of you sat in like this little mini home theater with about twenty <laughs> seats in your big screen at the end. No, <laughs> <laughs> if it were up to me, the whole house would just be that. It would be one big room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are we are getting slightly off track, I guess, but that was yeah. bound to happen. But uh, but yeah, I am jealous, and and hopefully it will come to console because it's something that I'm definitely uh, would like to have a go at. You know, I'll, I'd, I was in, I was disappointed because they did announce a Witcher for the consoles that never came, didn't they? But I'd, you know, yeah, they kind of got cancelled. I think it was Rise of the White Wolf or something. I think that was. I mean, they have said that they're going to make an E3 announcement for consoles, so most okay. people think it's pretty much going to be the Witcher two on consoles. So. They're going to get my money again yeah so we'll wait and see what happens (laughs) so anyway dead space so that's what we're we're mainly here to talk about Um, 
the, the first thing I want to sort of go into a little bit and talk about is just really the Dead Space universe as a whole and, and all the backstory and all the sort of stuff that's gone into creating it, you know, and I often wonder how much of that was planned at the start and how much has just, you know, come as a result of the game, etc. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like Visceral really went off the deep end in the beginning with the Codex. I mean, there is just a ton, like a literal ton of lore that was only tied in with the first Dead Space game. And now here we're looking at two, you know, two major releases later and little side releases. And it is just off the charts. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, what's interesting for me when this game first came out, I mean, the survival horror games in general were pretty much sewn up because it was either Silent Hill or Resident Evil, you know, and those sorts of games. And, and you know, it was almost like, you know, if you were going to do a survival horror, you, first of all, you had to be Japanese, you know, it had to be a Japanese game. <laughs> and and second of all, no one else really should have got a look in, should they really? And uh, I, think, I think what I remember about when the original Dead Space was announced was, I remember it being announced and I saw, I think it was possibly the second trailer they released. And and it said coming Halloween two thousand and eight at the end of the trailer. And I always remember thinking, Well that's gonna be shit then because it's just gonna be a gimmick, isn't it? You know, it's like <laughs> I did honestly I was like, Halloween, it's gonna be just like a run of the mill action game and it's just gonna be terrible and I mean how did you feel when you first heard the announce? Was it the same sort of feeling or did you were you more intrigued? I don't know if I just – I didn't really understand what it was. Like I knew it was survival horror, but I mean we've been down that road a bunch of times where – and and this has changed you know, over the last couple of years. But you know, there were always things that were, eh, it's almost as good as Resident Evil or oh, it's almost as good as Silent Hill or you – know, and it just was one of these new IP that were you – know, was essentially coming out of nowhere. And it ended up being I think a lot more special than a lot of the initial reaction – you know, when it came out, because I remember not a lot of, you know, super high positive, you know, reaction coming coming from people. But then after I played it, I, I couldn't understand why everything wasn't, you know, you know, why, why the Metacritic score wasn't through the roof. I mean, it, it was such a well-built game and you could tell that it was just the beginning of what they had in mind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what. What also interests me, and we said we'd, we'd sort of get into a bit of the background of the game, is that I think what's interesting is that the base, the whole of this game is based around the religion, pretty much. You know, the whole of everything that's in it, and uh, you know, I, I always think it always gives me a bit of a wry smile when I when I think of the name of this, which is Unitology, which obviously is, you know, I mean, they're, they're not trying not to say it's Scientology, but you know, there's some links there in there. Come on, it, it seems like that Unitology is designed. To, to obviously to be a parallel to that, but also to appear, you know, ridiculous to one set of people and, you know, super important to the to the devout. I mean, just like religion is in, in real life. I mean, it, it is a dividing type of thing. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's interesting because obviously I've, I've read the book Dead Space Martyr and the the pretty much the whole of that book is is pretty much the first marker that was found on Earth, and and all the backstory that surrounds that. And Michael Altman, which obviously we see, we hear his name mentioned in the first game, and and it pretty much goes into his background and how he became this martyr that that is the head of their religion. Um, interestingly, I mean, have you you've, have you read the book Dead Space Martyr? 
No, I, I wish I had, but I it's just one of those things that kind of just fell through the cracks for me. Yeah. I mean, interestingly, he he was dead against all the, the marker stuff. You know, he didn't want anything to do with it. He sort of pretty much uncovered a conspiracy, you know, with this um, this sort of company that was like, a, I think it was called Dredgercore. So it was this company that was sort of, you know, digging down into this huge crater in the ocean to, to get the mar- marker out because they'd sort of thought it was going to, you know, be be able to regenerate life that's that was the whole point of the story you know and the the background to the to the religion now, this um, was the black marker correct yeah this is the original marker that they, they okay. discovered in this ocean um and the whole point of that was um you know when when the, like the necromorphs they believed like the scientists uh, just created this religion to get people behind it so and they used Michael Altman as as the martyr in the in the story. So they, you know, a big spoiler here, I guess. Um, but but they pretty much get rid of him at the end. You know what I mean? But he, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want anything to do with it. You know, he's sort of anti everything to do with it. Um, and so he's, he was pretty much sort of dead against it. Uh, and I was I found the book really interesting. You know, it was a really really good read on the book. You know, and it was it was a really well written book. Um, and, and interestingly, I liked all the background stuff. I mean, towards the end, it did become like reading a Dead Space game, um, and I much preferred the earlier stuff, where they're sort of, where you know, where they're sort of uncovering all the conspiracy and you know, and what have you. And he's, he goes on the run because obviously they're after him, you know, to sort of keep him, you know, quiet about everything that's been found. So that makes the the tagline "Altman be praised" sort of ironic a little bit. Huh. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And the other thing I found out from reading the book, which I didn't realize, is where the title "Dead Space" comes from. And you know where the title, what it what it refers to? I don't know if I ever knew this. Yeah, what it what it basically refers to is an area around the bottom of the marker, uh, which isn't affected by. So you, you know, a lot of the in the games and in the book, you know, people get hallucinations of dead loved ones and all yes. that sort of stuff. But if you're in the dead space around the bottom of the marker, it doesn't affect you. So, so sort of like the eye of the storm, I guess. Huh? Yeah, and, and the necromorphs can't get that close to it. They can uh, they can't get within the dead space around the bottom. So you pretty, it's, it's it's like a safe area, if you will, around the marker. No, I don't think I ever did know that. Yeah, so there you go. It's quite interesting. Neat. So yeah, dead space. So that's a bit of the background, I guess. You know, and and sort of the the religious aspect of it all. And and to be honest with you, they have made it pretty fully fledged. You know what I mean? And. Um, the first game, Dead Space, I think it's is it two hundred years after the after the first marker was found that one is set. I wanna say yeah, it's like what is it, the year twenty five oh seven or twenty five oh eight or something like that, I think. It is I think, I think it it's something like that, isn't it? Yeah. It's well in it's not like Chinny with uh with uh, Back to the Future too, you know, it isn't the date isn't coming up, so we're never gonna know whether this will <laughs> this will ever come to pass or not that we'll be uh, travelling around the universe in that year, but uh I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe he'll play, he'll play Mass Effect 2 by then. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. He may be. We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so going into so the first Dead Space, so what did you think of the, when you first played the game, the first Dead Space? I I had a blast with it. I mean, it was it came at a time that was sort of perfect for me, too. I had just had my right ankle cleaned up, so I had ankle surgery. And uh, all I wanted to do was sit around for six weeks and collect platinum trophies. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> 
Illuminati. Funny. Uh, yeah, it was great. But and I actually did get the platinum on Dead Space, and it was um, it was a little rough. But there was it was just a game that had so much atmosphere. But I think the thing that I remember the most about it is the sound design. Yeah, and that has only improved over the the life of the franchise itself. I think. I think one of the things I remember the most when I was playing that game, you know, with the sound, was was all the whispering stuff and the voices that you thought you heard, yes. but you weren't quite sure what they were saying. And I think in a darkened room with the five to one, you know, surround sound oh, yeah. on, it was it was pretty freaky. You know, I I think think they got everything but, right. Like the little clinks and clanks of like maybe uh, you know a, a some kind of space uh, wrench falling down, like maybe two rooms away, or you know, like little tiny things that weren't right at the forefront, but they were there, and it really made the environment come alive. And like I said, that has been a progressive thing that has just gotten better and better. I think it's interesting because I think for me. Um, you know, apart from dialogue and good voice acting and things like that, atmosphere makes such a big difference in yes. a game. And I think a lot of the time, sound creates that atmosphere, you know. And I was talking about this just the other week, you know, regarding Half-Life 2. And and for me, what makes Half-Life 2 so cool is a lot of the background noises and sounds that you hear, like, you know, the, the speakers in the distance and, you know, all that sort of stuff going on. And, and I think the same applies to, to Dead Space. You know, it is it is all about the sound and, you know, all that sort of, you know, background atmosphere created by that. I think for that reason alone is why the original Dead Space will hold up for a long time. Yeah, no, I think it will. And I, I think as well, for me, I think because of that very first trailer that I saw and, and that sort of coming in Halloween, and I, to me, it was just like, oh, it's just going to be like a throwaway game. It, you know, it's probably going to be all right, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's going to be, I'm not going to be blown away and I'm not going to be sort of, you know, jumping up and down. And I think when it came, I think I was just blown away by how good it was. And, and interestingly, at that point, I, because I never had a PS2, you know, I never had a PlayStation 2, and, and the original PlayStation I played a few games on, but I was mainly a PC guy in my early gaming days, and obviously prior to that, the old Commodore Amiga. And I never really played a Resident Evil game or a Silent Hill game. So I had nothing to compare it to, really, you know, as far as, like, survival horror went. And the, the only thing I used to get off a lot of people who played the game was... You know, it's it's like Resident Evil, but you can move and shoot at the same time. <laughs> that was the big thing. That was the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought that there was, I mean, and obviously it's not just my thought, but there are huge parallels drawn to the Alien series and to, uh, what was that, Event Horizon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Big oh. time. I would have said more Event Horizon than Alien to a certain extent, I think. I, I, I think, think a bit Alien... Of yeah, it, Alien kind of gets closer, I think, when we start talking about the sequel. Yeah. I think a little yeah, more definitely. influence there. Yeah. You know, but I think, yeah, the abandoned ship, you know, sort of going on a normal routine mission and then everything going belly up. Um, I mean, the opening, I think the opening to that game, you know, with the, you know, the, the video message off his girlfriend and everything. Yes. You know, it really set the scene for me, you know, when he sort of first steps, you know, steps foot into the ship, into the Ishimura. You know, and sort of like, you know, what then happens beyond that? I think the greatest thing of that is, you know, he has a dual purpose. Okay, so he has a professional reason to be there and a personal reason to be there. And that really tears at him throughout the game. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, he, you know, keeps seeing his girlfriend throughout the game, uh, always usually with a, you know, a, a window in between or a walkway, <laughs> you know, with a gap yeah. in the middle or, you know, that classic video game. You, you can see you, but I can't quite get to you. Although, I don't remember this, but Chini always swears that there's a scene in the game where you actually sort of face-to-face and he doesn't hug her or anything, but I don't remember that. I mean, do you remember that? It has been years, uh, yeah, I, and I, I do not remember that, but I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if it was there. And I guess we should probably say that the he that we're talking about is the uh, protagonist who is Isaac Clarke, which is named yeah. for Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke, the, uh, the two sci-fi writers. All right, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Pretty neat. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, what do you think about him not talking in the original game? Well, I think that this game came out right at the very, very end of the window of silent protagonist acceptability <laughs> because it's just not something that that we can deal with anymore. You know, I mean, that was a product of of a bygone era of you know smaller disc capacities and and things like that and. You know, I mean, the main thing that you think of when you think of silent protagonists is you probably think the Zelda series. But this kind of actually worked to a point where, I don't know, I mean, the more silent that he was, it, it kind of creeped me out because I didn't know if, you know, you, you don't, you sort of, you can tell what he's thinking by his actions and things. And, and that's, I think, the thing that Visceral did so well in this game was to tell a story without actually physically you know, breaking you and telling a story like you, you, they, you know, it was sort of this emotion that just emanated from what you were doing and what the environment sort of gave you feedback on, on what was happening and things like that. It was, it it was just a, it's a brilliant piece of software. It really is. Yeah. I think what they also did brilliantly well in the original game was, was the pacing of it. You know, those ebbs and flows between, really intense scary action and then sort of a quiet moment you know to sort of reflect on stuff before you sort of thrown back into it yet again you know what i mean and i think they did an awesome job of that and and also it racked up the tension so much because you'd be walking through and you knew something was gonna happen yeah but you were never quite sure from which direction or what was gonna you know come at you next and i think they just kept you on the you know on the wrong foot nearly all the time and too many trips through medical (laughs) let's just get that let's get that out there right now (laughs) yeah oh yeah god yeah there was a lot of that wasn't there and and i I, my favorite sections of that game there was a couple was the first time you you come across the hunter which was created to show that it was going to regenerate people and all this sort of stuff you know and you couldn't be killed once you'd sort of had this dna transferred into you because again in Marta that's that's how the sort of infection starts because the actual writing on the on the marker is a, a DNA code and in in the in the book this scientist creates the DNA and injects himself with it yes and and that's where the first sort of infection starts from that first section where you're fighting that and and then you it suddenly dawns on you that rather than fight you've just got to run for your life mm. you know that's that's what I remember. You know, that's one of the moments in the game that definitely stands out for me. I don't know about you. What 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 moments in the game stand out for you? That damned uh, gunning part. Oh, yeah, but that's for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, that really stands <laughs> Although, out to me. Although, I must admit, I tried that part about... 10 times trying to get the achievement for yes. it, you know, because it was an achievement if you if you only got, was it if you finish with more than 70% health or something like that, I wasn't it? I think it is, yeah. It's something like that. 
I just could not do it. Oh god, it was so frustrating. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just I think I like you said. I like the pacing. I like the narrative. Uh, I really enjoyed the fact of you know, it's it's sort of like a I don't know. It, it's another tale of of treachery. You know, obviously you play the pawn again, which you know is typical. But you know, I, I kind of like that. And then you know, Isaac goes through all of these trials and tribulations in order to sort of semi-redeem himself and to redeem everything that's happened. And uh, I thought that the, not not the complete end, but probably a little bit right before the end, as, as you start to learn, you know, a little bit more, uh, when everything starts to come together, I think the, the narrative really ties up well. And if this would have just been a standalone game, I think I would have been completely fine with that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think I totally agree with you. I mean, the other thing that that I remember that stands out for me is the first time you go into zero G, you know, and yes, and just the quiet, you know, that again, it was the sound, you know, the, how the, you know, brilliantly they did the sound of that, you know, that it was, you know, you could hear your heart beating and your breathing and, you know, and that those were the only things you could really hear, you yeah. know, and I, and I think that that stood out for me, and it made me suddenly realize what a cool game it was going to be. You know, the first time that happened. You know, the first time, and, and this is kind of cheesy, but this was something that I thought was just you know a, a nice little touch was the first time you buy a suit and you step into the store, and the store equips you with that suit. Yeah, and you get the welding thing going down. Yeah, just little. <laughs> there's just little tiny things, and and another thing that made a super huge impression on me. And I know that this this it might just be me. I don't know if I'm the only one that ever you know recognized this, but the little tiny stickers on like the elevators that says you know this elevator was checked and it has like <laughs> you know like a little date and a time, like it has the little listing of of everyone that had checked it. Just little labels and little tiny things like that that are everywhere, and they literally are everywhere. Do you know I never noticed that. Uh, oh, I love that stuff. But, but I'm sure if Duke were here, he would be definitely playing his soundbite about minor aesthetic detail. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> but, that's it. you know, as much as he sort of, you know, rags on me for stuff like that, but to me, that's what makes up the universe in the game, you know what I mean? And yeah. and what makes it what it is. And it is, you know, it's like, you know, you know, we take something like Portal, it's like, the, you know, when you find the hidden messages behind the wall or, do you know what I mean? And it's those yeah. things that make it feel like a real place almost well they're they're little mini payoffs you know that 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 keep you going and keep you coming back you know it's just like it's like a time release capsule like you know you just find you get these little things and it just keeps going and it immerses you a little bit more and and uh on to the next point and then it happens again and again and again and it is sort of a i guess maybe dead space as a whole the 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 franchise is that sort of consistent payoff at least to this point yeah, no, I totally agree. The other, the other thing that I always think about with it is, is, is sort of when we think about the weaponry in the game. I like the idea that these were sort of tools as opposed to weapons. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and I think that for me again made it made it more realistic in a way because he, you know he didn't have access to all these really cool different military grade weapons. You know, although they were. I would have said probably more powerful or definitely more devastating than some weapons that you might find in other games. But it also gave you that uniqueness and, you know, the, the strategic dismemberment system, you know, that that worked so brilliantly well, you know, because, you know, every game you've been trained to aim for the head. That was how you play games. You know, headshot is the one that does the kill. And in this game, it was aim for the kneecaps most of the time. Did the, Yeah, they did definitely the did change it up, didn't they? You know, and it, it worked brilliantly well. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. It it is something that you know in I, I guess in a world where you know that sort of zombie mentality happens, this is. It's you know it, it's sort of a skewed timeline on the same old tried and true mechanic, but it 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 works. Yeah, and it made it it made it different enough for people to grasp onto it rather than you know because like I said you know my initial reaction to the the original trailer is that it was just going to be another run of the mill third person shooter you know and set in space you know and that's what I thought it was going to be, um, but they'd done enough different things with like the zero G and the weaponry and the universe itself that made it you know, and the sound and all those things that went up to make it, it suddenly became this quite interesting, uh, unique game, I guess. Well, I, I think we should sort of mention the lighting, too. I mean, the lighting has yeah. a lot to do with it, and it is tremendous. And, I mean, I'm going to say it again, it, it just gets better over time. As you continue to play Dead Space titles, the lighting gets better as well. I mean, th- this is probably maybe the maybe the best example that we have in modern gaming of a, of a really progressive franchise that has started, you know, doing something special and a little bit different. I mean, different enough and has just gotten better and better and a little bit different and worked on a little bit and kind of tweaked and gotten better and and so on and so forth. And I completely expect for it to continue. And the fact that EA were prepared to take a punt on this, I think, is, is testament to them as well. Yes. You know, because Activision, all they want to do is just bang out the franchises that are, tr- you know, <laughs> tried and tested. And, and at least EA, you know, we used to call EA, you know, a lot, didn't we, back in the day? Um, but the, but at least they're prepared to take a gamble, you know, on something new. And, and if we don't have that, we're, we're just going to end up playing the same stuff over and over again. Well, I think the, the, the sad thing is, is that, you know, as you mentioned EA, I, it makes me wonder... They're they're sort of starting to return to that, and I am not entirely sure that a game like Dead Space would have a fighting chance at this point with EA, like a new IP like that. I just I don't I don't know. I'm I'm seeing the, the thing that really makes me question that is what appears to me to be the rush timetable that Dragon Age Two was forced out in. You know, and and that really makes me wonder if something like Dead Space now, obviously I think the quality on screen and the quality in your hands could maybe sort of combat that. But it it makes me wonder what, and and right now, you know, we're in the middle of sequelization. You know, we're, we're knee deep, maybe higher in, in sequelization. And maybe for that fact alone, a new IP maybe really doesn't get the fair shake that it, should i think interestingly you know it seems to me to be every two years because obviously that's how long most games take to make you know especially modern games it seems to be a two-year cycle and so what what i always think is you'll get a year where you've got lots of sequels and the following year you'll get something new because obviously they haven't had the two year for the sequels uh, but then with something like Assassin's Creed, that seems to be getting shorter and shorter now because we're getting a new one of those each year, you know. Yeah. And with something like Call of Duty, where they have different teams working on each sort of years, then you're you're always going to get one every year, you know. Unfortunately, and that's what happens. But I think Dead Space is to the point where you know it it is you know every couple of years, and I I mean I don't know about you, but I was completely just rabid for more Dead Space when Dead Space 2 came out after playing the original especially and then Extraction which I think just took, you know went a step further even though it sort of took a step back in, in means of control but uh, at that point Dead Space had really worked on me and I, I, I couldn't wait for more yeah I mean I, I mean my in my younger youth 
Uh, I was a massive fan of horror films, and I still am. You know, I still love a good horror yeah. film. I love being scared, you know, and sort of shitting myself, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, and I think sort of Dead Space took that a step further, you know, because you were actually in the game. You know, you would you were experiencing those things, you know, to a more you know, more than you would be if you're just watching a film as a, you know, as a just sort of sat there taking it in. You were actually, you know, involved in that universe. And I think, yeah, it's probably, you know, one of the most scary experiences that original game, you know, because it was jumpy bits. It was, you know, bits that made you sort of feel a bit queasy, you know, because it was so sort of graphic. But it just did everything so well, you know, and you felt scared for, you know, I felt scared for him all the time that I was playing the game. I think in, in it, it actually set a new bar for tension and the way tension is used in gameplay, I think. Definitely. I think you're definitely right. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of, uh, I don't know, spoil the, the plot just, just a tiny bit. Yeah, shall we just, yeah, before we do, yeah, shall we just talk a little bit about the ending, I guess we yeah. should do. Um, yeah, so what about the actual end end when you, you know, go down to the planet's surface and... What did you What did you think of that? I, I don't know, man. I was just I was I was amazed at that point because everything was just sort of falling apart for Isaac, you know, around him and in his own mind, you know. And it was, you know, the the crazy thing was I, I think the thing that got me first was was uh, what was the what did was you the, did uh, you see the double cross coming though? I mean, did you did you see that coming? <sighs> I, I don't kind of, but not really, you know, I mean, I guess in, in games, there always are double crosses, but that was that, uh, Kendra, I think. Yeah, it was, was Kendra, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, she ends up being the, uh, you know, the, the shill for, uh, for unitology. <laughs> An envoy from the church. Oh yeah. To spread oh, yeah. the word. Yep. Yeah. And, and to retrieve the marker. Yeah. And, uh, man. You know, and, and it, it seems like near the end, you know, you start to play right into her hands. You get everything loaded. She tries to she tries to take the marker and, and can't. And, uh, you know, the, the whole time his girlfriend, Nicole, is, you know, sort of guiding him and this and that. And uh, I guess maybe we should just get right to it. I mean, you yeah. kind of find out that the marker is sort of manifesting itself as Nicole and guiding him the whole time. Yeah. So it was kind of a double double cross. So not only was he being led by a secret operative, but he was also being led uh, by the effect that the marker had on his mind and his uh, his sanity and his consciousness, as it were. Yeah, and obviously that was because the marker wanted to get back down to the the planet's surface. So yes. that's where it wanted to be, yes. which is weird because it almost makes the marker out to be like a sentient being. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know. There's, uh, I think, the the end boss was okay. I don't know. It was it was kind of cheesy. I mean, I guess that goes back to the argument of you know, do we still need final bosses or not? <laughs> you know, like I that didn't kind mind of thing. it. I didn't mind it too much because it it felt like a challenge. You know, to sort of finish the last boss. It didn't it didn't feel too easy to do. You know, I'd rather have that than just some weird quick time event. You know, which we, yeah. we get a lot as well. But I do much prefer to me like the running boss fight, as I call it nowadays, where where you just sort of getting you know that challenge from sort of a number of things and then just get to the end rather than sort yes. of have that one final boss. 
Well, this one was pretty easy. Like once you figured out the you know the pattern. Yeah. I remember playing it on. I can't even remember what the uh, what the hard setting was because everybody now has to have their own name for difficulty. Insane hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it really wasn't that bad. By the time I had you know already played it through twice, it was you know obviously just the same thing again. But. Uh, I just thought it was neat how after he kills this huge monstrosity, the marker's back. He is supposedly rid of what the marker has done to him and things like that. And he's in his shuttle leaving the planet. And all of a sudden, there's Nicole again. But not Nicole. Marker Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think, and, I think also what was it? What, what weapon did you use in the first game the most out of interest? I think I, I did the one gun uh, playthrough with just the plasma cutter. Yeah, I did exactly the same. I, I did use the Ripper a bit as well. I like the Ripper. Line uh, gun. Yeah. yeah. I see. I never, I never used the line gun in any of the games. Never line used gun. it. Fantastic. Yeah, how interesting <laughs> is that? Yeah, no, I never used that. I don't need to stick with the uh, the plasma cutter, the the Ripper, and the uh, the flamethrower. You know, that, think, those, um, those are the three I used. Plasma rifle was my other one. My, oh my yeah, you needed that, especially if you got it wrong with the ones that had spawned those little things that would, like climb all over you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. nightmare! Yeah. If, you, if you just got, you got the belly by mistake, you were in big trouble, weren't you? <laughs> the pregos, the the, uh, the the pregnant necromorphs, yeah, oh. Were, uh, yeah. No yeah. awful things they were. Oh, God. <laughs> I hated those things. And uh, and they were, it was so hard to sort of, you know, get rid of them all. There'd be, like, hundreds of little things flying towards you. Oh, hated those. Um, so, yeah, so that's... And, and then the end then, so you're sort of you're flying off, and that's, I think it's when you're flying off you find out she was dead, that she committed suicide before you got to the ship. Isn't that, is that right? I can't remember. I can't remember if it was... I think maybe the was it the control room on the Ishimura right before he flew down to Aegis Seven down to the surface? There was was there a hint there? I think there was a hint there and maybe I think you're right that it that he really found out, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that uh I'm sure she I'm sure you find out as a player as at the very end of the game as you're flying off that she was that she because you watch the video again, don't you? Yeah, because he watches yeah. the video again, and I think it's then when it dawns on you that she was dead from the beginning. <laughs> you know, before you even got there. Um, so that's pretty much dead space done, really. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah I've, I've got to say, if you've never played it, and a lot of people haven't, which always surprises me. You know, there's a lot of people out there who, who haven't played this game. But if you haven't played it, you know, but then you're probably not going to be listening to this because we've just spoiled the hell out of it. So thinking about that, <laughs> if you've not played it, then you shouldn't be listening to this if you're going to play it. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> um, so for the first break, uh, we are going to have some music, some tracks from the, the games throughout the show. Um, for the first break, we are going to have um, from the original Dead Space, and it's track six, and, and rather aptly, it's uh, Nicole's Farewell. So that's, uh, that's what we're going to listen to for, for this first break. So uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about Dead Space Extraction. Which, oh, uh, yeah. yeah oh, arguably, yeah. it could be the best in the, in the three games for me. Possibly. Yeah, quite possibly. Possibly. Uh, so, yeah, so enjoy the music, and that's what we're going to talk about when we come back.
Okay, we're back after the, the music. It was good. Good track. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're back, and um, probably my one of my favorite games in the series, um, and I don't know how you feel about it, but, yeah, Dead Space Extraction was, was the next game that came out. It is one of my probably favorite games of all time. Yeah, it's such it, a great game. Close. Yeah. Sadly, I mean, do, do you know how many how many copies were sold in America in the first week of release? You no, know? oh, it ain't many. It's not many. <laughs> do you know any ideas? You want to want to put a guess on the figure? First I want to say sales? I'm going to probably say sixty five thousand, maybe nine thousand two hundred in oh, its first God. week of sales. In, uh, in well, I was one of them. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how many it sold to date now. I've no idea, but that was just something I read while I was doing a bit of research for the show. You know, I just came across and I was like, "Jesus, that's really bad." It's it it was putrid. I mean, it really performed just horribly, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why. I mean, I, I besides the obvious answers. Yeah, I think it's spelt. To a certain extent, that spelt the death of, you know, anything other than what we class as a Wii game on the Wii, yeah. really. You know, because, because to be fair, you know, Visceral were, were quite confident that it was going to do well. You know, I remember, you know, a lot of the stuff and, you know, people going, oh, you know, it's not going to sell. And they were like, nope, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. It's going to sell well. Um, and it didn't. It didn't sell well anywhere. You know, it, it just really didn't do what they'd expected. I don't know if you remembered, but I had an interview. I, I got lucky enough to get an interview with Steve Papoutsis uh, about a week or, or so after uh, it released originally for the Wii. And the things that he talked, I mean, he preached it, and it was 100% believable. I was behind him. Yeah, I, I just wish everybody could have heard that. And, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people had sold their Wiis by then, which that, you know, that, that kind of takes a lot of people out of the equation. But he talks a lot about things, about uh, the way you you kind of uh, don't just cobble things together and the way you go in with a plan uh, in, in development and things. And then all of a sudden here he's executive producer of Dead Space 2, and I see a lot of similarities between Extraction and Dead Space 2. And a lot of the things in Extraction that were, you know, that were done in this game it's sort of the bridge between the first game and the the second game, literally. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, what's, what's interesting for me and what I remember the most about playing that game is that, you know, everybody, like, nobody I knew I was going, are you going to get it on the Wii? You know, people who are new had a Wii, you know, and actually played, you know, proper games, not just sort of Wii stuff. And even they weren't really, like, interested in it. And I think to this day, it just surprises me. And a lot of the criticism I remember is because it was on, a, like, an on-rails shooter, as they, you know, perceived it. And and because of that, they were sort of like, oh, well, I don't really want to, you know, play an on-rails thing. I don't, you know, I don't want that. And 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 the, I think a lot of the time, you know, it was undue criticism, really, you know, for for what it what it achieved, and and I think what people can't understand is how good this game looks. Yes, yes. I mean, and I guess you can kind of uh, maybe draw the the parallel to Goldeneye. If you've played Goldeneye on the Wii, it is the same engine because you know, obviously, it's the same folks who kind of you know contracted out from Visceral. Yep. 
And and also, I think the only I mean, I've been playing it but prior to the show doing this show. I actually went back to play Dead Space Extraction just to sort of play it again. And the only place you notice that that you would sort of give you a signal that it was a Wii game you were playing and not on the 360, the PS3, is in the character models. Although they're pretty good, you know, but the character models and and there's a lot of flat textures on doors and and lift doorways and things like that. But that is the only areas that you really see anything different, you know, to to a 360 game. On the facial animations, fantastic for the hardware that it's on. Yeah, you know, and, and I probably should preface this that Visceral Games, the the company that they contracted out, was Eurocom. So uh, you know, it's. It is absolutely amazing, and I remember, you know, Steve talking a lot about, you know, flying back and forth between, you know, between the UK and and uh, and California, you know, to to work on this stuff and flying out. And uh, wait a second, let me let me see. Hold on, just a second, because I I figured, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I figured they were in the UK. I wanted to make sure before I said anything like that. But and flying, uh, you know, back and forth between the UK and California to, to work on the game, you know, and it's, it is a collaborative effort, but playing it, you would have no sort of inkling that it wasn't simply just a visceral game. No. And I mean, I think the sad thing for me, it it showed me that, you know, there could be some really great games on the Wii if people were just prepared to give it a chance, you know? And I I think what what saddened me as well is, you know, I remember all those people going, when are they going to bring some proper games to the Wii? When are they going to bring some proper games to the Wii? And when they finally did do that, all those people didn't bother buying them, you know? (laughs) And it was almost a bit like, well, you've all been moaning because there's no, you know, what you consider proper games to play on the Wii. And when they have brought those, you know, potentially proper games, you, you don't want to buy them. You don't play them. I mean, it, it's sort of like the same thing as, you know, when you stand up and scream about something, right, and you turn around and look and see all these people that are supposed to be behind you and nobody's there. <laughs> yeah, and that's how yeah. it felt. That's really, you know, and, and with a lot of, you know, like the Conduit came out, and, and, and yes, that game did have some issues. Uh, it was interesting when I listened to your interview with, with the Conduit developers, uh, and you were saying about the bit on the, the monument on the steps. Yes. And I remember doing that bit about seven, eight, nine times before. My I've... God, that was brutal. Oh. Oh. You know, and I remember doing that over and over, and, and I was determined to do it. And I think in the end, I did like it was almost like a suicide run straight into the yeah. building to yeah. get to the to get to the portal that you had to to get rid of, wasn't it? We were getting rid of portals, if I remember yeah. rightly. But oh my god, I remember it being one of the hardest things. I've, and it was just at odds with everything that you'd played up to that point as well, which didn't help matters because that, you know up to that point the game had been fairly normal difficulty levels and suddenly you got to this one part and it was just like and the second game have you played it you played conduit 2 uh partially i've played about maybe i don't know three or four chapters i think something yeah like i've that. not heard good things i have to say well how are you finding it 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 has its issues it really does yeah i mean not terrible but it it um you know it's it it is not uh greater than the sum of its parts shall we say yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what Nintendo announced with their new console at E3 this time around. You know, I think that'll be interesting if they're going to start trying to push the core gamers again, you know what I mean? And, and come up, you know, not necessarily come away from the casual stuff, but, you know, to try and get a balance between the two. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Nintendo used to have a lot of good franchises on their consoles back in the day, and they lost all that with the Wii, didn't they? 
Now, if they can give me all of the Zeldas and the Marios and things like that, along with games like Dead Space Extraction, I mean, I, they they already have my money anyway. But you know, just just for the sake of of argument, you know, I guess that if they can do that, then you know, my money's plunked down. I mean, Extraction to me, I, I started to play it, and you know, just with the the deluge of titles that was out at that point, I kind of just sort of lost track of it. But I remember that year. Uh, the you know 2009 shortly after was the first time that I participated in the extra life the 24 hour gaming marathon. All right, okay. And Dead Space Extraction was number one on my list, and I think I went from about chapter three to chapter ten or something that morning, and that was the first game that I finished. And uh, man, <laughs> what a what a story told. What yeah, story I think told. I think what was cool for me is that. It wasn't. I don't think it was long after I finished the first game because I didn't. I don't know whether I got the first game at release or not. Thinking about it, or whether I got it later. I think I might have got it later. You know, the original game, and I bought sort of uh, Extraction as soon as it came out. And I don't think it had been that long since I'd finished the first game. And what I remember about it is locations in the first game that mm-hmm. you sort of saw in the, you know, and the fact that the first game finished. Uh, where extraction started yes you know and i love that about it you know when it's sort of showing you them trying to get the marker off the planet you know in the in the initial part of it you know i thought that was really really well done you know that really hit me there there are pretty much three distinct things that that really stand out to me from from dead space extraction and just what you spoke of was event number one where i start the game and i'm like oh you mean wait a minute, I'm right here at the marker right now, you know? And and when I see the marker, I'm like, oh, you know, like, how, how can this be happening? And then as you play through the game, you're pretty much playing the original Dead Space in reverse, yeah. kind of. Yeah, and, and even even that, that sort of prologue at the beginning, you know, uh, you're sort of, you know, that, that bit, and you're sort of running through, and you're thinking all your, your team, you know, are all infected and stuff, and then... You know, when you get to the end of that section, you're not really sure whether they were or not. You know, and it leaves it a bit open and a bit sort of, you know, down to your what you think. You know, you're never quite sure. That first chapter has a great hook. It yeah. really does. Um, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe that. Here's, you know, like you said, it. You know, everybody's kind of going crazy. Here's the marker. You know, you kind of get a little inkling right at first. You, you see the marker and bang. You know. It, it it kind of does its thing to you, and <laughs> you know, you, you shake it off, and you're completely retracing Isaac's final steps. But the thing is, you never really sort of create the problems that Isaac solves in the first game, but you can easily imagine bridging that gap between the two. Yes, definitely. And I think the other thing about that section as well is, in obviously in Dead Space, it was quite a slow, methodical process getting to the market, you know, and there's sort of a lot of enemies along the way and closed-off yes. sections. And Whereas this is the exact opposite. It feels sort of frantic and like you're running for your life and you're trying to fight off your team and, you know, all that sort of stuff until you get to, to the exit, you know. And I think I think it's the exact opposite of Dead Space, that part, you know. It's, it's the, you know, the more frantic sort of... And that t- there's none of that tension. It's more, you know, just sort of, you know, trying to get to the exit. An instant payoff, which wasn't really a part of the first game either. 
Yes, and I, and I think I think in some ways it's more in common with a film because they can pace the game exactly how they want want you to play it. You know, and that and that, you know, a lot of people, like we said, criticise the fact that they, you know they they perceived it as on rails and all this sort of stuff. Whereas I think that, um, Visceral themselves called it a guided guided experience first person experience yeah yes, that first was, person that was... guided experience you know they wanted to distance themselves with on rails as a phrase for the game didn't they? but i guess it didn't make any difference in the end <laughs> but um, i think that was another thing that he that he stressed was that you know we wanted to bring what dead space was to the wii without taking the time to do it you know not not essentially taking the time but in order to bring a proper dead space to the Wii would have taken much longer than what it took to bring extraction. So people sort of get that lore, they get that sort of hit of, of the of the dead space crack pipe, if you will, and uh, you know hopefully broadens the audience for what is yet to come. Yeah, definitely. I think the, I think the other. I mean, and then once obviously that initial, you know first part all the prologue's over you know and and uh the the squad arrives and kills you basically so some you know officers come uh, you know down in a lift and they shoot you and then and then it zooms out and all the what you thought were necromorphs attacking you just appear to be normal people yes you know and then and it was just such a great opening you know it really would made you sort of think wow you know i wasn't expecting that at all and the greatest thing about this i think is you sort of have you know, four protagonists, maybe more, you know, if, if you count in because you have, you know, Nathan McNeil, who's yeah. the, you know, the detective who's looking into Sam Caldwell, who, like you said, is the guy that you play at first, who begins to kill everybody, you know, from, you know, the, the effects of the marker. So you play as him, you play as McNeil, and you also play as Gabriel Weller, who is... Uh, he's a security officer up on the Ishimura, but at the same time, he is also in the severed DLC for Dead Space Two. Right, because I haven't. I must admit, I haven't. Is that is that the one that's coming out, or is it out already? It's already out. I actually just yeah. finished it yesterday. I haven't uh, played that. <laughs> yeah, this this show sort of pushed me to finish that. I hadn't done it up to this point, but uh, uh, you know, and also there's Lexine Murdoch, who is the girlfriend of Sam Caldwell from the first chapter. And uh, then there is an Enigma character who is, well, he, he seems to be an Enigma for most of the game, uh, Warren Eckhart, who is, he's an executive from the CEC. And, man, that guy, that guy. <laughs> I think what's also interesting is that, you know, in in Extraction, it just, I don't know, I, and I think it sort of benefits from the guided experience more than it suffers from it. You know, because I think that they could pace the game. And I think what's cool for me when you first, you know, when you become the detective, you know, and you're playing as him and and you see everyone gradually going crazy and trying to kill each other, you know, and that, that first bit where you have to rivet the door shut to stop them getting yeah. in. You know, I thought that was just a brilliant, brilliant sort of part. And it made you feel frantic, you know, and I think it did that a lot. And I think the, the guided part, like you said, really benefits from the fact of not having a silent protagonist. Yes, because all the characters obviously talk in this game, mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting because it is first person. Because obviously the the other Dead Space games are third person, as we know. Yes, um, and the other thing we never mentioned with Dead Space, which I think we should have done really, was the HUD, wasn't it? You know, that was another great thing that no other game had really done before. Yes, you know that yeah. everything was on the suit. You didn't, and all the weapons. 
So there was nothing on the screen apart, and it gave you that. It, it made you more in the experience. You know, it, it sort of made it feel again more realistic. Completely organic. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a similar thing with with extraction because it was all in the reticle in the center, wasn't it? So everything yes. you needed to know was on it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, extraction really kind of continued the tradition. You know, not that there was much of one, but the tradition of the first game. And and really did sort of convert it into this experience that was not only reminiscent but held up with within the you know within the confines of the Dead Space universe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think the other the other thing is again, like you said, you know, it was like Dead Space in reverse. But they they had to chuck in the shoot the uh, meteorite section though, didn't they? <laughs> that that is in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Not quite as bad, I have to say. It wasn't quite as frustrating. Well, I can't tell you how many messages I got after Dead Space 2 came out, you know, the limited edition on the PlayStation 3, that said, you were right, Extraction is fantastic, playing yeah. it with the PlayStation Move. Have you played and, it with the Move, can I ask? Yes, and it is not, not, I'm saying by far, <laughs> not the definitive version. Oh, interesting. So why is it? Why is that? I mean, does it feel like a bad port? Is that is that how it feels? No, like you know, it, it it looks fine. It controls fine. The only thing, and and anybody who's listened to me rant on this has heard this a million times before. But the thing that kills it for me is the fact of the navigational controller does okay. not have an accelerometer in it. So what you end up having to do is hold a button and swing the actual move remote. Because to do the, the axe, thing, to do the yes, to do uh, the rock saw thing, okay. yeah, and uh, that kind of stinks. I mean, you don't really use the rock saw all that much, but it, you know, it kind of makes it inferior, even though it's been upresed and 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 it looks fantastic, you know. And the funny thing is that some of the footage from Dead Space Extraction was used in the catch-up video in Dead Space Two. Did you notice that? I don't know whether I did, to be honest. Yeah, you have to look. You have to go back and watch it again. Huh. I'll have to because do it that. blends in so well. <laughs> I, I've got to say, I mean, you know, I keep on, and I, and I hate, I hate using that phrase. You know, this looks great for a Wii game. I hate using <laughs> it. I do hate using that phrase. But you know, I'd, I'd just say this game looks great on the Wii. You know what I mean? And it, it just looks amazing. You know, it is, it's, it's so crisp, and and the the, the lighting again is, and the the glowworm um, introduction I thought was excellent. Yes. You know, and I'd have liked to have seen that in, in Dead Space 2, but obviously it didn't. But I thought it was just such a great idea, and it gave everything this eerie green glow, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and especially if you're in a dark area when something's attacking you and it runs out and you're frantically shaking the Wiimote <laughs> to try and get it back yeah, on again. Yeah. A, a green-tinted sort of, I guess, monochromatic necromorph is pretty nasty looking. Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of dark areas in those games. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we should that. say that one of the biggest events, and this isn't even one of the three, uh, but one of the biggest events in this game was the appearance of Nicole Brennan, who is yeah. Isaac Clarke's girlfriend from the original game. She is actually alive uh, still on the Ishimura. Yeah, she's definitely not a hallucination. <laughs> no, uh-uh, no. But yeah, she kind of decided to stay behind in the, in the medical bay to, to help people. So she yeah. sort of gave herself up for everybody else. Yeah, and then she just kills herself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which does seem to be a running theme of anything Dead Space related, because there's quite a bit of that goes on in in the book yeah. also. 
you know that's it. You know, it seems to send people a bit crazy. I think. And it is normally by a by a shiv slit to the throat. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that yeah. happens in the book. There's a there's a couple of people die in that sort of you know killing themselves with a knife in the neck. Yeah, they definitely yeah. do that. Um, I think it's interesting, you, you know, that that extraction. Like I say, it was so it wasn't really badly received. I mean, critically, it did pretty well. You oh, know, yeah. if you look oh, at yeah. the Metacritic score, it did well. But commercially, it was it was probably one of the worst selling games they've probably ever had. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, anyone who's listening to this, if you have a, a PlayStation Three or a Wii, this is something you definitely need to play i mean there's there's just so many great moments i think the other two that i wanted to mention to you were um eckhart who was the you know the cec executive that he actually was another he was the undercover operative for this (laughs) for this go round (laughs) you know and it comes out that he was the one that soon after he was appointed uh, onto, I think it was, wasn't he was appointed onto the Ishimura, and he slowly replaced and restaffed everyone with unitology followers within the yeah, company. Yeah, I'm guessing that's how it would happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they 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 are re- religious nut jobs, basically, aren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when we when we really look at it, you know, those those guys are pretty fanatical. <laughs> yeah, and the thing that he's there for is one of the other of your four is Lexine because she supposedly has some kind of natural resistance to whatever the marker is. And it's kind of proven a couple of chapters before this when she, you know, falls into the tank in the, in the sewage system. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, chapter or two late, actually, I think the next chapter, she's still alive. Well, interestingly, Michael Altman in, in Dead Space Martyr is, is the same. He has an immunity to the marker. It doesn't affect him. Ah, you know, okay. So, so I wonder yeah. if there's some kind of bloodline there or something. I don't know. I don't know. But that doesn't affect him in the, in the book either. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, the last thing is, and this, this for me was the payoff. I think it's in Chapter 9. And this is after, I think it's after the run to the gun battery. Right, yeah. Okay. On the run back, there's a there's a boss fight. And That's right. And they and they did this? the yeah they did the boss fights pretty well yeah because you're in a room yeah, locked in a room aren't you in in that boss fight. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember now. Did, couldn't you move around a bit in that room when you were doing that boss fight? Mm, no, I don't. Hey, wait, this one. I don't think this one was the room. This was the one when you were still out on the hull of the ship. Oh yes, no, I remember that one. Yeah. Now. You know, obviously, the general dead space strategy is shoot the orange spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, the glowy bit. <laughs> exactly. Aim for the glowy bit, you'll be fine. <laughs> but the greatest thing is Nathan McNeil cuts the power to the cannons, okay? And then, upon running back, gets into this boss fight and gets trapped and has to, you, you literally have to use the rock saw to hack off your own oh, arm. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. How great was that? Yeah, because <laughs> we I mean, all, as, as oh my god, as it is to say, but it was fantastic. That was the complete payoff for me right there. Yeah, I mean, and interestingly, there's another moment similar to that in Dead Space Two, which I guess we'll talk about when we get to that part of the show. Oh, yeah, there's a similar, but yeah, I remember that. And you have to cut your own arm off, don't you, to escape? Oh, that was great. That was yeah. great. But uh, apparently, he's he is one arm less, and. Uh, him and Lexine and Gabe Weller end up escaping, and I think that they 
don't they radio or something that they're heading for Titan Station or the Sprawl or something like that? Yes, I think they do. I think they and do they try stuff. to warn the uh, the Kellyan, which is what which is the ship that uh, Isaac Clark arrives on. Yes, sir. Yes, That's sir. Right. But apparently they don't get the message. Yep. yep. They didn't get the message, man, and look what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens if you don't get the message, you know. You've got to get those messages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that was, I think what they did brilliantly well, you know, of Extraction was tie everything up really well. You know, nothing was out of place. You know, they, they made sure everything flowed as it should have done and, and fitted right in with the original first game. You know, so it all sort of made sense. And, and again, I think this comes back to the current attention that, that they've given these games more so than a lot of game makers do. You know, like we said, you know, with the background in the universe, you know, and, and the build up to these games, they wanted to make sure that, that there was this sort of almost tangible thing that, you know, tied it all together. Yes. And I don't, think, yeah, I don't think you get that with a lot of games, unfortunately. No, a, a lot of the assets, uh, you know, were not simply down res, but a lot of the assets were, you know, made to look identical and, you know, they really took a lot of care and, you know, it's, except for the, you know, the, the control scheme, it's virtually indistinguishable from a dead space, you know, a, a normal tentpole dead space release. Yeah. And it's sad. It's very sad that they didn't do better. And if, if you never played this game and you've got a Wii or, you know, or you can get the, obviously the PlayStation version of it. Now you need to play the game. It's a great game. Yeah. I will not spoil the very end bit of that because this is probably the game that people who are listening have least likely to have played. So at this point, we are going to take another quick break. But obviously, when we come back, we are going to, uh, you know, talk all about Dead Space 2, which obviously. Uh, rounds out the series uh, so far, I guess, is the best way to put it, because I'm not sure it rounds out the series forever. Uh, but definitely so far, you know, up to this point in time. Uh, for second break, we are going to take a, a track from Dead Space 2, which is rather apt. And, and it's uh, the very first track uh, called Welcome to the Sprawl. Um, so we're going to give that a quick listen, you know, give you a break from us rambling on for the last hour and a, a bit or so. And then when we come back, we're going to talk all things Dead Space 2 and, and finish off the show from there. So uh, enjoy the track.
Okay, we're back after that. Uh, another good track. I've got to say, the music in this, you know, both games was excellent, wasn't it? Yes. You know, yeah. it, it has its ebbs and flows to it. It really does. Yeah, they made a brilliant job of it. So, Dead Space uh, 2. So, let's, uh, shall we start at the beginning, I guess, because that's the best place to start? I think the beginning is wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that opening sequence, you know, when you, when you come round uh, and you've got the straight jacket on, um, was just brilliant. You know, again, it was just such an awesome, awesome opening. And do you know one of the things I think they did brilliantly well with that? Um, and I don't know how they pulled it off, because even now when I think back to it, I'm not really quite sure how they did it, but being able to get where you needed to get to and having no idea where you were going. Mm-hmm. And it, it never felt like you got lost. You know, you just got to where you needed to be, but you weren't really sure how you got there. <laughs> Well, I think be, before we get there, we should talk just a tad bit about that opening sequence. Yeah, which which is sort of the the catch up for the story. You know, like if you had never played the original Dead Space, and it is just creepy. It talks about Nicole, and it shows Marker Nicole with you know with the with the light shooting from her eye sockets in her mouth, and uh, you know on the table, which is uh, you know the desk of sort of a psychiatrist that is interviewing Isaac. There is a mini replica of the Ishimura. Yep. And a Rubik's Cube with uh, the texture of the marker on it. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. No, I <laughs> never noticed that. But, you know, as he's talking, it's sort of like an over the shoulder shot over Isaac's shoulder and sort of, you know, capturing part of the psychiatrist. And as he talks, the is that the bit after after the straight jacket bit where you're looking at the monitor in the in the room, or is that a different? Bit? No, no, no. This is the just the very beginning where he talks about the marker. He talks about Nicole, and Nicole kind of crawls up on the desk in front of him, like all these things that's are happening. Right. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's it was right. just so creepy. And you know, then all of a sudden, you know, after that, it fades to black, and 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 the black fades in, and there's uh, what's his name? I think Franco that's trying the, to untie you, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to get you. But this is the first time in the series that we see an infector come up the back of his head, stick his little tongue in the middle of his in the middle of Franco's forehead, and this is the first time we see an actual necromorph being made. Yeah, you're right. I don't think there has been anything like that in the in any of the other games, has there? You know, and yeah, and, and then you see the little tendrils that are left sticking out of his forehead, and all of a sudden, all these bones and stuff start to jut out, and 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 the more the the slasher arms of the necromorphs, he starts to grow right there, and it was just it was amazing. It was such, one of the greatest cold openings of of actually any piece of media I think that I've ever experienced. But it was brilliant as well because it was so frightening. You know, when you start running and you've you've no arms and stuff, you know, and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> You know, what the hell am I going to do here? You know, and you suddenly realize that, you you, you know, you've, you you can't actually fight at all. You know, yeah. you're totally inert. You know, all you can do is run and hope you escape. And I think the greatest thing that Visceral does with Dead Space 2, I think, is the level design. Yeah. They, they funnel you through without you sort of consciously acknowledging that they're funneling you through, like especially in that cold opening, as you're holding the run button, your rig is flashing pretty much orange. It's almost red, you know, if yep. not red already. And you're running through, doors are opening, things are being busted down, and everywhere that is a possibility that you're trying to process to be able to go, either a necromorph jumps out and they just 
in a twitch fashion make you steer the other way yeah that's what i was referring to earlier you know uh you know what i was saying about when you're in a straight jacket and you were you know you finally get to the exit but you've no real idea how you got there and you know it still felt quite open but for whatever reason you you get there without any issues yeah and i think like you said and you know along with that is the testament to the places that they hide items (laughs) <laughs> you know, and things like they hide items in the craziest places and, and just the layout and the thought that goes into it is just uh, just amazing. I think interesting for me, you know, um, you sort of finish that little piece and you sort of get to a, a relative place of quiet, you know, where uh, there's sort of not a lot going on, you know. And, and I remember the one thing I remember was uh, walking through this almost dark room, you know, sort of almost like a pitch black room. And then, like, a monitor suddenly comes to life and there's a big crackle, you know. And I remember nearly jumping out of my skin, you know, sort of, you know, where you're literally hanging off the ceiling. Afterwards. There are a lot of moments like that. Oh, my God. And I remember the first time it did it, I was just like, you know, and, and I think I probably did shout at the same time. <laughs> I was just like, well, you know, you know really soon shout. after that happens, after you get to that little brief respite, you know, in, in the break in the action... There's a, I think, and this is, I think, what you were talking about before was yeah, there's a monitor. A monitor, yes. And this is not yeah. something that I realized what it was until my second playthrough. I think it was, it was Strauss. I think patient, what was he? Patient was it five, Strauss? I think, yeah. Ah, was it Strauss who was being interviewed? I can't remember because, because interestingly, I played Dead Space two for a while and then got distracted with loads of other games and went back and finished it. So mm-hmm. it's a while since I played it, but I remember it being quite. And what I liked about that because I mean there is all the audio logs and the text logs that you can pick up, but I'd much prefer stuff like that in games. You know where it's natural to the game and it doesn't. You know, like some weird giant tape recorder left for you to pick up. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it's stuff. something else that's environmental and organic. You know what they what they do so well. You know, and the, the biggest thing about this was uh, the psychiatrist had been asking Strauss about who we're going to talk about here in a little bit, but um, about his eye, how his eye felt, and things like that. And that is something that I'm sure we're going to get to. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I think we'll we will get to that. Yeah. Interestingly, um, and then he meets he meets uh, I can't remember what the name of the character is, but he meets a character who. Has a, is it a knife or some broken glass or something? I can't remember now. Um, I think, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a little shiv. It's like the same thing, yeah. Yeah, same as yeah. and, and he, you sort of, you think he's going to try and kill you, but he, he just cuts you out of the straitjacket. That's how you get out of it, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And then he slashes his own throat, funnily enough. Yes, and, well, he makes you think that he's stabbing you in the gut first, but then he pulls up with the knife yeah. and, and unhitches the arms of your straitjacket. That's right. And then he, yeah, kills himself. I remember that being really shocking. You know, I guess I shouldn't be shocked because it's a Dead Space <laughs> game, but I do remember thinking, oh my god, and there's like blood squirting everywhere, isn't there? I was but, just like, there was two things that I noticed here. First, that when I swung the camera around, Isaac's lips were moving, and Isaac actually talks in this game, and he is an actual yeah. fleshed out character, but at the same time, you kind of watch, if if you have a chance to sort of play the game twice... If you go through in the cutscenes, the sort of cutscenes, I guess you could call them, quote unquote, uh, that take place in game, real time, that you still have camera, you know, control. Yep. Watching the person that you're supposed to be watching, you know, one time, and then watching what Isaac does and what his reactions are, that it is amazing 
that all of that is going on at the same time. And this was the point where I noticed that. And then right after that, after you talk to this psychiatrist, I guess, I don't know if that's the psychiatrist guy or what, but he says, your rig's red, you know, go in that locker over there and get this flashlight. And there's a health, you know, health pack in there. And Isaac kind of looks at him and he kind of like sidesteps away from him because he doesn't want to turn his back on this guy. And it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. It, it is just, I do remember that. Do, how, how do you think this game would have been had they used the sort of the, you know, the motion technology from LA Noir in it, you know, for the facial animations and things of that nature? I, yeah, I don't know. Cause there is a sort of surreal quality to the faces in this game. I mean, they're good, but they do not, you know, sort of, you know, allow you to, forget that you're playing a game the same way that la noir does yeah i mean how, how do you think that would be though do you think that would be a good thing or a bad thing in this well to tell you the truth i think in a few years we're going to be seeing that and everything i mean I, I really think that that's the impact that la noir is going to have yeah no i totally agree and i think you know interestingly i think people will take it to the next level and really make it you know really interesting i think it'd be interesting to see how that moves forward but i think um, this game actually has a, a leg up on that because a lot of these people that do the voice acting and things, they also lend their persona to the characters as well. So they're yeah. they're ready for that. I think interestingly as well, and I think this is the other interesting thing about Dead Space Two, and it, it reminds me a little bit of, of Assassin's Creed uh, Two when you when you play that game, because you get to see at the beginning of the game at least Isaac Clarke for quite a while without the suit on. Yes. So you get to know him a bit more as a person, you know, and uh, you know as not just this sort of faceless, no voice sort of protagonist in you know in a suit all the time. You actually see his face a lot more, and obviously hear him speak, and and I think that makes a big difference because you get to know him as a person a bit more rather than just this this nobody. It goes a long way for you know toward believability. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we so we get that far, and then we get contacted by is it Dana? I mean, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who who who's gonna help us? Obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, like, after you soon after you make contact with her, you're still trying to leave the hospital. That that's where all this has taken place in so far is the hospital on on the sprawl, and that this is where you actually see Strauss the first time. Yeah. And yep. Strauss is sort of motioning you to run with him, and he slides under a closing gate and kind of closes you off. You don't make it in time. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. And I, I remember the first time, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I didn't even make the, you know, the connection between the monitor, between patient six, and between this guy. No, I didn't notice that, I, I must admit. I mean, and I did watch the monitor. You know, I sort of watched that sort of you know what was happening but no i didn't put those those mm-hmm. together at all at this point it's really starting i mean the, and the best thing is and i i hate to keep you know harping on this this interview with steve but this is another thing where he said one of his primary things was he wanted you to feel like you were in the middle of the shit and that is one thing that dead space 2 does really well from the very beginning yeah. everything looks lived in you know, there's flowers on the ground, like potted flowers that laying sideways on the ground. There's toys strewn everywhere, garbage, blood, feces, all kind of stuff everywhere that just makes this world uh, almost a character of its own. Yeah, and I think, I, I mean, again, I mean, we can't, we keep banging on about this, but... <laughs> You know, what makes all of these games so great is the atmosphere which they create and the universe that it's set in, you know. And, uh, and uh, it, like you say, it is almost like, you know, it was a lot like Rapture in Bioshock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, they, you know, both both the Ishimura and the and obviously the the sprawl and everything are just so well realized. And like you say, you know, a lot of the time when you're in these areas, they do look like you know a bit like the Marie Celeste. You know, there's still stuff left on the tables and people still, there, you know, or dead bodies. And you know, it doesn't, you know, seem that long ago that that there was some sort of normal life going on yes. there. Yeah. You know, and I think also that going back to extraction slightly, you know, when when you sort of arrive as the detective in the, you know, in that main sort of control room and not very long later, you go back to that same area and it's it's completely the opposite, you know, where it was all order and sort of people getting on with the normal day to day jobs. When you go back, it's everybody's dead and there's just blood everywhere. And I think they do that really, really well. Um, so what did you what did you think of Dana as a character then you know leading you to herself mm. you know and and sort of then you have this sort of conflict between her and Stross who's also speaking to you over the intercom yeah so after he kind of makes a stab you know an established connection with Dana he doesn't know who she is you know he has no idea he you know obviously Isaac doesn't know who to trust but he knows that Stross is crazy <laughs> like the thing is Isaac's crazy yeah. and he knows that Stross is crazy so. Isaac isn't that crazy, and at least he establishes that. So the weird thing is, is he's listening to Dana. You know, some things happen. She has to reroute him, you know, to, to kind of make a new path and uh, through some apartments and things like that. And through those apartments, that was amazing, too, because, you know, like we just said about being lived in and things like that. But, you know, kind of the, the first end of this three-part structure is where Dana, this bitch, <laughs> you, yeah, you know, you, as it turns out, uh, which you, you obviously never knew. Yep, you never knew. Um, I mean, interestingly, what did you think of the new? You know, obviously, because you could always, you know, do your path where you had to go next by clicking the the thumbstick. And in this one, you can choose what you wanted to send you to. I like that a lot. I really yeah, it was did. a great little addition, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and and a fantastic reason to use the I guess L three or R three or you know whatever the the clickable stick to do that. Yeah, yeah. And you could obviously change it to either the, the workbench or the shop or your, your current objective. You could change between those three things, couldn't you? Yeah, there were a lot of times where I didn't know if I was closer to the, the shop coming up or closer to the shop that I had just passed. And it was good for gauging that, if nothing <laughs> yes, else. Yes, that's interesting. Because in the first game, didn't you have a map? Yes, was a map, the map was confusing it? and convoluted as hell. Yeah, you know, because but I like the map. I must admit, because then I could see where I was in relation to stuff. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in this, it, like you said, you didn't really, you know, you could see the marker, but you had no idea of distance. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't sure whether it was just around the next corner or whether it was about six rooms away and about a hundred necromorphs before you got yeah, there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that that was that was interesting, you know. But it was a good mechanic, you know. And they, like I say, they they sort of keep throwing these things in, you know. When there is a an audio log or a you know a video, it, it's all part of the suit, you yeah. know. It's all there. Um. So yeah. So you're heading to Dana. So that's that's uh, what you do. And guess what she is. Yeah, I, I would have no idea. I never saw that coming. I must admit, this unitology, you know, it gets everywhere. Uh-huh. So she sent to grab Isaac, and actually, Franco, that turned into the necromorph in the beginning of the game, was the one that was reporting to her, and she had sent him to recover Isaac. That's right. And uh, yeah. then she she drops kind of a bombshell on Isaac, doesn't she? Yeah, because obviously, yeah, because he's he's responsible for making the marker, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you're responsible, I guess, as the player, yeah. you know, or the character. And I guess they had let him know that they found him. What was it? Was it at this point where they said that they that Tideman, who was the station's administrator, I think, that 
they he was Isaac was adrift around age of seven or around the Ishimura or something like that, and they recovered him from there. Yeah, and and interestingly, I mean that's where a lot of the lore comes from because all the, the only original marker that that obviously that I'm aware of is the one that's obviously in the first in in the book on Earth. Yeah, and then a lot of these other ones are, are sort of replicas of that using the the sort of blueprints, if you will, for the first one. And they sort of build other ones. And and they keep on rebuilding them because they keep thinking they're defective. And that's why they keep ending up with necromorphs rather than eternal life. Yes. So that's this constant sort of building a new one to see if they can get it right that time. You know, it's this constant <laughs> having, you know, keep rebuilding new ones all the time. And they hope that one, you know, at some point they'll they'll work it out and get it right. And, you know, they they think that they're doing the right thing you know they yeah. believe that you know what they're doing is right because they're, they're, they're searching for this eternal life and convergence as it's yes. called well let me you ask know, you this based on so if strauss is patient five does that mean that isaac is patient six so or is he patient four so at least there's more patients that you know or you know obviously more people that have the ability to build these markers more than just isaac and strauss yeah, and and presumably the the sort of immune to the to the oh not totally immune but immune in some some ways to the hallucinations. Yes, you know less so than other you know other people are affected by them because they both in the game I guess sort of make it through well nearly to the end. Yeah, well, one of them does, one of them doesn't quite get there, <laughs> uh, but obviously they nearly make it to the end without sort of succumbing to to the hallucinations in you know totally. Yeah. Well, so th- at this point, after this whole big revelation with Dana, this is where the E3 demo kind of came in. Part where the where you're going down the gunship yeah, shoots out the windows and everything. Yeah, that's right. Because that's a different demo, isn't it? The, the demo that was released is the one in the church, and that's prior to you getting to yes. it, isn't it? That's just uh, before you get there. I, I want to say that it's. Is it? Yeah, maybe it is. I'm, I can't remember. It is. It is because I remember you go through all these really cold areas where it's all frosty. Yeah, the cryogenic and then you, thing under the under yeah. the church. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then you get to the church. Now, interestingly, in the demo, there's a huge bit of that missing before you get into the church, and with the new necromorphs, which are a bit like velociraptors. Yeah. Because there's that bit before you go in there. Damn that! The, what did you think of those? They. You know, this, they're kind of neat. They are more animal than anything else in the game, I think, any other enemy. Yep. Uh, and they pop their head out, and they squeal, and then you know the charge is coming. Yeah, and they're, and they're pretty vicious. I mean, the yeah. first time I came across them, I was not ready for them. No. And and in some ways, it reminded me a little bit of the, of, of the big daddies, you know, from, from Bioshock, in the, in the way they came at you, you know, it was so quick. Mm-hmm. And you just see the, the little heads poking out from the side of a <laughs> crate or a box, and you know, well, I will you know say, you're in trouble. That at that point, you know, after you after you handle them and you dispatch them and you figure out that you can't go through that door and you sort of have to backtrack a little bit. That is the point where, you know, from now on, when you see a room like that, you know, that they're yeah. that sort of enemy is going to be there. That that was the only one drawback that, you know, the, the enemy layout was a little bit predictable. Yeah, but then I, I guess it came back to it being a game again, isn't it? Yes. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, at the end of the day, it is a game, isn't it? You know, that's what it's all about. But I think the funny part of that is, is that, you know, I I kind of started to put that together that Dana was a unitologist at that point because she did lead you right through the unitology recruitment center, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. The big church with all the, and the, the babies that, that oh, come out of these yeah. sort of baby 
sort of necromorphs are, you know, and you'd b- b- pretty much just back yourself into a corner and just shoot them as they come, you know, and that hope you get rid space, of them all. Uh, the dead space plan of attack, yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was cool as well because it didn't, you know, in the first game you had those couple of occasions where you were grabbed by um, the hive mind, I guess it is, you know, the big sort of, yes. the, the big bossy thing. Uh, that doesn't really happen in this game. There's, there's you know, there's some sort of uh, flashbacks to that, isn't there, later mm-hmm. on in the game? Yeah. Uh, but but it never happens again. You think it might do, but it never sort of does. Um, so so we get so Dana goes. All the windows get blown out, and she's sucked out into space, isn't she? At mm-hmm. that point. Um, and then obviously we meet another character, a new character in the game. At that point, is that before or after? I can never remember. This is it, this is right after. This is like the beginning of the second the second act of sort of the three act structure thing. And this is where you get to sort of like the mall part. Uh, yeah, remember with right. uh, what was that the what was this big statue in the middle of the mall the one that you could get the achievement for dismembering the statue? Oh no, I never did that. I think it was called oh, Lightspeed yeah. Milo, I want to say the name of the achievement was or something like that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's pretty. I didn't. You see, I don't. I don't achievement hall, so I never really yeah, looked. I, yeah, I cut at the achievement, so I missed those <laughs> sorts of things. You know, if, uh, but that's a good thing about achievements if you do look at them because sometimes you might see something you might not necessarily look at otherwise. Yeah. But yeah, you you come across uh, uh, Ellie. Yeah. Ellie was a name, wasn't yeah. it? You come across Ellie Ellie Langford, who uh, she is, I think, a CEC. I want to say heavy equipment pilot or something like that. I think. Yeah, she's definitely. Yeah, she's definitely part of the crew, isn't mm-hmm. she? Yeah, and, <laughs> and you know. And she's reluctant at first when you see oh, yeah. her, isn't she? You know, yeah. Oh yeah. She says, "Don't follow me," and then you end up going the same exact path that she, <laughs> that she left. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Although, again, it does that thing of sort of you're always a few steps behind her, mm-hmm. or there's always a door in the way, or there's always something to stop you actually getting to her yeah. and, until quite a way further into the game. It's the carrot on the stick that is just always barely out of reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what did you think of her as a character? I thought she was pretty good. To I be liked her a lot, actually. You know, I, yeah. I definitely had a bit of sympathy for her later on because of what ends up happening to her. I mean, that that's what locked yeah. it for me. But I liked her as a character. You know, obviously, you know, I think she is instrumental in this game, sort of being Isaac's redemption. Kind of, which I think is yep. the, the overarching theme of Dead Space Two is Isaac, you know, kind of battling his own inner psyche and demons. His demons. Yeah, and yeah, uh, she plays a pivotal role in that because she ends up becoming the anti Nicole to the marker Nicole. Yeah, she does, and I, I think what's also quite interesting about her as a character, she's she's ballsy, isn't she? You know, she's she's a good character. You know, she she knows what she's doing, and she just gets on with it, doesn't she? Yes. You know, and I like I like that about her, and I liked how her story sort of ends at the end. I've got to say, I thought I thought <laughs> it was a really, you know, I don't like the bit something that happened to her, but I liked I liked how the story <laughs> comes to a conclusion. Well, she is very Sigourney Weaver, isn't she? Yes, yes, mm. definitely. A really strong sort of female character. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the zero-G stuff in this? Because obviously they, they refined that a lot because you could actually manoeuvre within the, the environments rather than... I mean, in the first game, you just boosted from one surface to another. I thought that was brilliant. Um, Wouldn't you yeah. imagine that a, an advanced suit like that would have little boosters and thrusters on it? 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah. I think again, I mean, the first time, again, was in the demo, wasn't it? And yes. obviously in this way, you have to go through the fan section, you know, when you, mm-hmm. when you put it yeah. down to, to, yeah, and I got killed a couple of times on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first time, because I was trying to remember how you do it, and suddenly you can control it, which you couldn't before, and yeah, I got chopped up, and the death... Um, scenes are, are still as as graphic oh, as yeah. the original game you oh, know yeah. when you when you do get killed it's it's an event <laughs> there's plenty <laughs> of those animations as well all it almost reminds me of an updated version of tomb raider yeah you know because because i remember tomb raider it was you know when you did die in tomb raider it was like it wasn't that you died it was how you died you know and how many bones got broken or whether you were <laughs> impaled on spikes or you know something of that nature and i think uh, i think this does that really well in an updated way you know uh, you know those death scenes are, are almost like a you know a, a a a really important part of the experience yeah, when you do they, get it wrong they do a great job of celebrating failure and sort of celebrating Celebrating the sort of hit and miss, you know, mechanic of figuring things out, you know. So not only do they reward you for progressing, but they sort of give you a little tiny reward for trying and figuring it out, too. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, I, I think that would make a good YouTube video, yeah. you know, a compilation of all the different There probably is one. Probably- in Dead Space, I'm sure there is. Um so yeah, so so you and Ellie are then making your way through, and she's sort of guiding you and helping you to get through. And and every every now and again, Stross sort of uh, comes on, and then they end up together, don't they, mm-hmm. Stross and Ellie? Uh, I can't remember how that happens. How they end up with each other? I can't remember either, to tell you the truth. I actually started replaying the game, and I'm kind of like right where we're talking about right now. But right. you know, it, it Tideman kind of reveals that he is your main nemesis you know, your main human nemesis at that point. So he keeps trying to sort of lock doors and, you know, do all kind of things to try to keep you from progressing. Yeah. But, uh, and there's a, there's a couple of zero G areas where you have to go for all these cogs and fire and oh, all yeah. sorts of weird things. Weren't there? What do you, I mean, I wasn't over enamored with those sections. I must no, no, not at all. Not at all. You know, they, they were the weak, sort of sections for me in a way they were they were sort of i guess dead spaces two version of the you know of the uh gunning the meteorites <laughs> yeah god that was horrible Ugh. yeah i mean they were okay but they were a bit slow and sort of you know it was almost it was almost a bit prince of persia-ish you know sort of having to time it right and mm-hmm. you know it did feel a little bit like an old adventure game to a certain extent yeah. but sort of just sort of polished up a bit big time yeah uh, yeah, just timing those, especially the the gas jets, you know. Yeah. And you sort of, yeah. yeah, time it to get through. But I didn't mind them, and luckily they weren't too. And then there was a couple of on rail sections, weren't there? And then I guess that comes back to you know the the extraction part of it. You know, there was um there was a couple of of sections where there was like the one where you're going up to the satellite, you know, where you've got to turn the um the solar panels, don't oh, you, to sort yeah. of get everything back online. And yeah. and you're going up in that lift, that that lift, God love us, that lift was high from the station. And I think the the best part of that was, you know, after after you reconfigure the, the solar array, the sort of halo jump back down to the station itself, yeah. to the station proper. That yeah. was amazing. And I think that was part that was shown, you know, prior to the game being released in video of flying right through the hole of a piece of uh, you know, space debris. It was good. It was good, but it reminded me a lot of God of War Three. 
Yeah. You know, in yeah. those sections in God of War 3, but if you just got it slightly wrong, you were toast and you had to oh, do yeah. it all again. Yeah. And watch that little cutscene every time <laughs> of him getting in the seat. And uh, I like the idea of it. And if you did it first time, it would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Because you'll be like, wow, how... But because you keep getting killed and having to do it again, cause it, and, and it was a bit of a rinse-repeat until you learned the pattern of the debris. Yeah. Now, and, and that would probably be the only criticism I had of that. I guess, like, as he ends the... Or, actually, as he nears the end of the of the Halo jump, he slams into the ground as he lands, sort of Iron Man-style, kind of. Yeah. You know? Yep. And... Uh, then I think isn't that the place where you land back in like another part of the same apartments that you were in earlier, and then you get through there and get to the tram station that that she said that she was making her way. And is is Strauss with her at that point or not? Yes, because it, you you end up in that huge sort of room area, and she's on the like the upper level, and you're on the ground yes. floor of it. And the brute comes out. Yeah, and the brute comes on you. You and I got I got the uh, achievement for that for killing it with one shot at that point. I think I don't think I got killing that. a brute with. Yeah, there's an achievement if you do it without taking any damage. If you kill a brute without taking any damage, and I did it at that point, uh, which was pretty cool. I was like, wow, I just did that. I have to go back. Um, and it, it went plink. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, cool achievement. I like that. I can't remember what the achievement's called, but I remember getting it. I remember getting it. Yeah. Uh, it was just a lucky shot, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, and she's on the upper on the upper level of that, mm-hmm. isn't she? And you're sort of on the lower level, and all the doors are locked, of course. What did you think? Just talking of locked doors, what did you think of the little mini game to unlock doors? I, I, you mean the like the hacking stuff? Yeah, I, I liked it. It was a lot less. Um, I don't even want to say intricate, but probably a lot less annoying. I mean, I guess I might as well just call it what it is. Um, you know, nice and easy, and it, yep. it's actually yep. something that you would think that a sort of seasoned engineer would not have a problem doing, you know, like it would be that easy for him just in a time, you know, in, in a set time, it would have to be completed. Yeah. I mean, interestingly, I, I didn't mind it too much. And I think as well, it's sort of, you know, like mass effect Two simplified theirs, didn't they, you know, from yes. the first game. Yeah. Um, and, and anybody could do it. I remember in the original mass effect, you had to be an engineer or whatever it was. One of the, you know, the, the, I can't remember the, the class for it mm-hmm. now. Yeah, uh, which could do all of that stuff. And if you were anything else, you couldn't unlock certain items, and you had to take someone in your squad who could. Um, whereas in the second, and I think they've done a similar thing here, and it's not quite as uh, frustrating, not frustrating, but I guess in extraction, it's sort of used to rack up the tension in that. Yeah. Because you've got yeah. to keep your hands steady while there's necroforce <laughs> coming at you, and you've got to sort of open stuff while they're attacking you at the same time. And it wasn't, and that happened a little bit in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not to the same extent, I don't think, is it? And it wasn't as fiddly, you know, extraction. When you get that sizzle noise and you back up at the top, you're like, oh, no. Yeah, but that was still brilliant, especially the parts where you had to sort of manage enemies and hack a panel at the same That's time. That's what that I mean. That, that, yeah, those that great. were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most of the time that doesn't happen in Dead Space 2, apart from the end. No, but you know what? Like I said, I, I, I think that it fits his character a lot more, and just while we're on this, the thing that we completely missed in the beginning of talking about the game is the, and I guess I, I have a hard time not using this word, the organic fashion in which Isaac sort of cobbles and tools together all of his weaponry. He pulls a stasis module off of a stasis bed in, you know, in, in a, in a ward in the hospital, you know, he pulls 
his the flashlight that he gets out of that That's out of that right. locker. He goes into the yep. surgery room, pulls a plasma cutter from from a from a surgery arm and attaches it to the flashlight. Hence, explaining why he has a flashlight and a gun at the same time. Yeah, he does. You see, I, you, you you sort of either don't notice or forget the little things like yeah. that, you know? And those were important um, to me. They, I mean, they really, and, and like you said, once you play the game, you forget about everything that had happens prior. But these are the things in, in the early minutes of the game that really, really made an impression on me. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, it is so intelligent because if I was an engineer, man, I'd totally be doing that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the other interesting thing for me, and I, I didn't, I hardly use stasis in this game, you know, for, on enemies. Uh, but I did it a lot in the original game. But in this game, for some reason, I didn't seem to use it nearly as much. I don't know whether you found that, whether that was just me not using it very much. Oh, I needed it on the leapers or the scorpions or whatever you want to call them. You know, whatever those enemies are, the ones with two arms and the scorpion tail. Yeah, they're fast. Like crazy. Wow. Yeah, you see, I hardly used it. I must admit, I did you use the, the new thing as well where you could, like, you know, get a limb and, and actually use that as a weapon by firing oh, it back Oh, yeah, up? that was great. That was See, I, I hardly use that either. Well, it is, it is a completely advanced combat mechanic, and I didn't use it for a while until I figured out how to, how to do it. And Effectively. I didn't use it as much as I probably could have, but uh, I, I remember this one scenario, and I think it was what we were just talking about the, the second time you get to the apartments. There is uh, a, a part where you come across a concourse, you know, just a little courtyard area. And it's the second time you're in a courtyard exactly like that, but it's a different courtyard. And it is one of probably the most menacing parts of the game, at least it was for me. I had played it seven, probably eight times, where I think there was... I think a couple of infectors, there was two pregos, there was one of the exploders, and it's the place where you come down out of the elevator, you run out toward the courtyard, and all the way on the opposite side of where you came down, there's a shop. And so I would, I ran, I remember running multiple times, all the way over and around, and backing myself into that corner, and I would always run out of ammo. So I was getting to the point where I ran over, before everything triggered, went into the shop, thought i was safe when i was in the shop but i wasn't the first time so right. you know, i i get i reload i go back i go into the shop buy a bunch of ammo back out and just in time and that was the only way that i got through that part it was a nightmare see i don't remember any time in in this game where i where i felt like i was really struggling and and yes i mean ammo could be scarce you know and that well that could be a problem i mean duke would hate this game because he, he hated the first one for that very reason but that's part of what racks up the tension and, and using ammo wisely isn't it you know and not just firing indiscriminately especially you know when you meet the hunter again later in the game yeah um but yeah i mean i, I don't remember having having any of those sorts well, of issues i'm wondering i do remember running for checkpoints a few times and not yes. actually fighting them at all yeah yeah, I remember doing that and, and escaping that way. I wonder know? if I was still on Zealot at this point, because halfway through the game, I turned it down off of Zealot back onto normal. No, I only played it on normal, so I don't think I had... And maybe that's the reason I didn't have any of those issues. You know, I, I wasn't... Yeah. I, I mean, I am one of these people who just plays a game to enjoy. You know, I'm not really that bothered about, you know, a challenge or being, <laughs> you know, sadistic about it or, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> you know, wanting, you know... No, it's definitely not for me, any of that stuff. You know, it's like uh, Chini when he plays Call of Duty on Hardened or whatever the hell it is on that game. Yeah. 
you know, and there's like about 50 grenades land at your feet every two seconds. That's that <laughs> for me, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand the enjoyment of getting so stressed out about it. You know? I just wanted the trophy. That's I, I, I'll admit it. I, you, I wanted it. trophy hoy. Yeah, I wanted it. I wanted it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so after, I guess, the, the train station, they the three sort of get on a tram because now you're with Strauss and Ellie. That's right. And Tideman sort of launches some kind of weapon and breaks the tram rail. So I guess doesn't Isaac do some kind of magic and you then you have to go through Well you have that um sort of like a mini boss fight, if you will, don't you? Where you yes. to, yeah, where there's like three of them, isn't there? Little arena, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have to. I can't remember what it is. You throw in um, like destructive charges, aren't you, to get rid of the sort of the arms and stuff that are, are twined around the track and what have you. Yeah, I think there were like four or five of those replenishing, exploding canister machines in the walls or something. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that because that's that's not long after that part, isn't it? You know where you. No. After me, and then you know uh, Strauss starts to really go schizo, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, starts yeah. when you when you split up again, he really uh, uh, starts to lose, and it ends pretty badly to to a certain extent for Ellie, doesn't he? Really? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he kind of takes his uh, screwdriver and stabs her right in the eye and pulls her eye out, doesn't he? Yeah, and you see it, don't you? You actually yep. witness this from yep. from beyond the window. I think it is again. Is <laughs> but I think isn't it? Uh, isn't it? Or is it bars? Or is it like steel bars? I I can't remember. Yeah, it's, remember. it's through something. It's yeah. through something. Obviously, you can't get to him or her. Uh, but you definitely see this happen in front of you, and it's it's because again, the reason why that's happening. Well, not why, but when Isaac splits off and tries to bring the tram, the 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 broken tram track, closer, is when he has is forced to make his way through the remnants of the Ishimura, which is docked. Yeah, I like that. Although. I don't know about you, but it was hard to because it's it's weird because everything's covered in like plastic covers and stuff, isn't yes. it, Ishimura? Yes. And it didn't feel that recognizable. And I would have liked to have had more landmarks from you know from the the ship, stuff that you would recognize. It came right back to me. Did it? Maybe maybe just the way my mind works, but my mind filled in the spaces between everything. And I was like, "Oh shit, that's where this was." Oh shit! It was only it was only when I got onto the control deck that it really was like, "Oh god, yes." Yeah, yeah. And and again, guess what? There's lots of boxes in that area, so <laughs> you know yeah. what's coming. Um, barely any light. Yeah, and he the... kept having flashbacks, which I really like. You know, where there was like a hole in the wall, and he was like, "Yeah, a little flashback of what had happened in the first game." You know, and I liked all of that. You know, it was it yeah. was very coolly done. I remember them saying, you're going you're gonna to have to go through the Ishimura. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I just knew it was just that heavy feeling just having to go back through there. And, you know, at that point, I kind of thought, you know, as, as if Isaac was an actual person. I'm like, oh, I can't imagine having to go back through something like that whenever something like, you know, like the original Dead Space, when that happened. You know, if some, that happens to somebody, the last thing you want to do is relive it. And interestingly, nothing happens for ages, does it? Because you walk through that. <laughs> At one point, I thought, oh, maybe there's no necromorphs in this bit of the game. <laughs> maybe, yeah, right. Maybe I'm going to be okay. Uh, and nothing happens, does it, until you get to the to the control deck, you know, and that's when, obviously, you get attacked. But again, it's only a small amount, though. It's not like the rest of the game. You know, it isn't quite yeah. as intense. 
you know, as a as a wrestling game. But great, great. So you you do all that stuff, and um, yeah, and Strossy's, uh, you know, has, has sort of stabbed the eye out of Ellie, and then you never, you're not at that point, you're not quite sure whether she survived or not. Yeah, sort of like wondering whether she's still alive or whether she's dead. Um, and then and then you meet Stross in the corridor coming back, don't you? When you sort of after that section, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, and that was great. I love that. I thought, I thought that was really satisfying. <laughs> and I think that was wasn't that it, it, if it was in if not well maybe it was before if not in the Titan Mines. I can't remember whether it's. I think it's just before the Titan Mines. I mm-hmm. think it's just prior to that happening when you go into the mines and uh, yeah, and you basically get a screwdriver off him and pretty much stick it in his temple. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and that's him gone, I guess, and yes. uh, and he's satis- he does feel satisfying as as weird as that. <laughs> as that uh, <laughs> <sounds>. <laughs> you know, interestingly, all these people who are against violence in video games listening to this would just be like, yeah, "Oh, no, satisfying when I stuck a screwdriver in his temple." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, so you're you're in Titan Mines, and yeah. you know this this to me was my least favorite part of the game. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And especially, I got stuck at this point because I'd missed a... There's a ramp that goes... There's a part where you have to go down a ramp to the lower level of it. Mm-hmm. And I missed it completely. And I was... and and But when you press your, the objective, it's to a door that has no power on it. And it's oh, just got yeah. close. Yeah. And, I was, and I couldn't... And, and the lift isn't working either because that's no power. And it took me ages to work out where I'd gone wrong because <laughs> I couldn't figure out why I, why neither of these things would open. And, uh, and yeah. it took me a while, and then I sort of backtracked a little bit and then found the down ramp, and it was fairly dark, so I hadn't spotted it the first time going past it. And because you're following, if, you, if you're using the, the sort of objective line, etc., you don't, you're following that. It doesn't because, show you the secondary objectives, yeah. No. To achieve because, the first one. That's yeah. right, and because it doesn't point down the ramp, I completely just walked past it. Yeah. Um but that once once I figured that out, that was fine. Uh but there's a little bit of backtracking in that bit. Yeah. Fam. Yeah. Well the thing that I hated about it was I didn't mind the whole part of the Titan Mines up until the point where you find the drill. Oh I quite yeah. like again the huge, but yeah. the huge drill. I hated the ride on top of that drill. That was a was second on rails. rails. Oh, it was it was alright, but it was very formulaic wasn't it it was a typical on rail shooting stuff while you're sort of defending it you know to get to your objective sort of thing for that reason alone is the reason why i will never play it on sell it and i will never play it on hardcore yeah i can imagine that was really difficult because there's that yeah. stuff coming at you you know what and there's all of those things at the side that i can't think what they're called with the three like that fight the lurkers the, yeah, yeah the lurkers uh, they're horrible yeah over and the- that's see the lurkers were what the line gun was great for because if you could aim it right, you could uh, chop off all three tentacles at the same time. Go. Yep. Yep. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it was still the plasma cutter for me throughout most of these games. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was it was the gun that you probably ended up upgrading the most. Yeah, know, and that, and I think if you played the first one, you got it as a you got like the original one from the first game. Yeah, if you had a save from the original. Yeah, yeah, so I got that, which was much better than the one that they give you in the game. Well, that was a way to get a quick 2,000 credits, too. You could sell your plasma cutter and get the refurbished one that didn't cost you anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So that's what I, I think I did do that. I think I did do that. Um, yeah. So you so you end up at the – you basically break through into the – I guess the sort of the central 
control of the of the the space station. No, that's where you end up after you. Yeah, the government effect. sector, which is yeah the the main the main. Uh, I guess the the main actual compound of EarthGov on Titan Station. Yeah, and where the marker is being stored, you know, that's what yes. it's going to be. Yeah. And it is supposedly locked down tight at yeah. this point. Yeah. But now you've just busted through the wall and opened it up to everybody pretty much. <laughs> yeah, at that point there were no necromorphs in that area, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not yeah. for long. <laughs> not no. for long. Um, what did you think? I mean, that that bit. Did you did you get mowed down the first time? You know, where you walk into the darkened area with all the laser sights aimed at you. No. See, the first no, time I, I just got mowed down because and I hadn't seen the opening on the right hand side of the, the. So I completely missed that. Walked straight into the middle and was like, "What the hell are all these?" And uh, <laughs> so I, ah, that's what that was. <laughs> Yeah. I, I was kind of disappointed at that part where it just sort of kind of locked locked you down when you when you would open. I think that part where you had to go up and around to the little yeah. control room and yeah. open the doors and let all the necromorphs in, and it kind of locked you out and didn't let you get into the fray until after everything was over. But I quite like what I quite like when you came back down though. Uh, you could open the door and it was like this tide of necromorphs running past the open doorway. Yeah, and yeah. I like that. I thought that was just really well done. You know, just to convey how many of them there were, you know what I mean, and, and how easily they could overrun everybody. You know, and there was, like, loads of them, weren't they, and just kept running past in a great tide of necromorphs. Yeah. Uh, and I also thought it was weird that you couldn't see anybody, so all you could see were these red lasers, but you couldn't see any people on the end of any of those. <laughs> and and I, when I got into the control room, I was trying to look down to see if I could actually see any people underneath, but you couldn't. All you could see were these red lasers waving around in the dark. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love that. I did like that bit. And then you're sort of now propelling, I guess, towards the end of the game. You know, yeah. This point. is the final push. The final yeah. push. And and I think this is where Isaac sends Ellie away on the on one of the Earth Gov gun, gunships. Yeah, I can't. I'm trying to remember whether that's prior to the drill part. Um, Not the drill I mean, yeah, part. You know, what? it's Need. right after. As soon as you get to government sector, yeah, he sends her away on the gunship because he knows. And that's when you first find out that you have no idea where you're going, so your locator doesn't work. That's right. That's right. And and obviously you have that that there's that cool moment with Nicole. Um, yes. Where yeah. you sat where she sat across the doorway from you as herself, you know, not mm-hmm. the scurry eyes lit up, mouth lit up woman. Yes. And you sort and, of just have this chat with her. And I thought that was really cool. And, it, and I think that Isaac projects a lot of Nicole onto Ellie, trying to get her out of there and trying to to save her because he yeah. couldn't save his girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing is, is in the opening uh, sort of recount, if you will, of of Dead Space in Dead Space Two, um, Nicole, you know, sort of contacts, you know, by video conference contacts Isaac and says, "Thank you, Isaac." Thank you for convincing me to take this this post on the Ishimura and things like that. So obviously his guilt is through the roof because he is the one that sort of put yeah. her over the top into taking the post on the Ishimura at that point. Yeah, so there's obviously a lot of guilt there, isn't there? Yeah, a ton. Um, ton. Yeah. Um, so what do you? So so I liked I liked the build up to the end. You know, the sort of the running battle uh, with the hunter. Yeah. 
and and you're literally just running and shooting and hoping for the best, aren't you? You know what? I hated that. Did you? I didn't mind it too much. I didn't mind it, but I'm guessing again on the difficulty level you were playing on compared to me, it was probably a lot tougher than I found. Well, no, I I had turned it down by then. But the thing is, the thing that really, really just threw me for a loop was, you know, they do such a good job of progressively building, you know, your your skill set by the by this point in the game that having like a chapter and a half or two chapters where you just have to run yeah. was kind of not what I wanted. You know, it was something where, you know, through the whole game, it's like, okay, um, you are just fresh Isaac. You get a, you get a gun, you get a plasma cutter. Okay. Here's two necromorphs. Okay. You get a better weapon. Here's two necromorphs and, uh, you know, and a scorpion or here's, you know what I mean? And they do such a good job of progressively building, the waves of enemies in type and size that they throw at you. And then you get to this point and you're rushed on through. And like the last two and two chapters take not even maybe an hour. No. And and obviously the hunter is back. Yeah. Um, and that bit, that took me ages. You know, the bit where you have to hack the console and the hunters regenerate. Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. God. I must have done that. It must have taken me about seven or eight goes before I managed to do it. And, and I, and it dawned on me, you know, because I was shooting it until it was pretty much dead and then uh, freezing it so that it couldn't move. Yeah. But then it, it dawned on me that it was better just to take its legs off and then, you know, uh, freeze it. And that way it moved a lot slower. Yes. And that gave you the time you needed to hack the console because it took me a, a while just to figure that bit out. You know, I couldn't figure out why the hell I couldn't do it in time. I couldn't figure it out either. And the thing that really tipped it off to me was the fact that there were stasis recharge stations everywhere. That's right, yeah. You know? But I think the first time that we see the hunter is where the machine is, where somebody oh, gets yeah. a needle yeah. stuck in their eye. Yeah, did you do that first time? No. I did. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> it took me about three times, yeah. Oh, God, I did it. It was gross, though, isn't it? Sort of, oh, my God. So now, yeah. what was the reason for the, for the, the needle? You know, I'm trying to remember now. It was something, I can't remember either. It was something, wasn't it something to do with making you one with the marker or something of that nature? There was something. I, I can't exactly remember what it is. I just remember having to do that. I'm like, oh, because it's a super close-up thing, and, and you're looking at your pupil, and you ugh, bleh. I'm sure it's something to do with, yeah, I'm, I'm almost sure that it's something to do with convergence or him becoming one with the marker or... You know, making it so that he can actually fight the marker at the end of it all. <laughs> but I can't really remember. I can't really I can't remember either. what the reason mm-hmm. for that was. So that, that yes, was, yeah, yeah, that was the reason, the reasoning that Strauss was being questioned in that monitor in that log about how his eye felt and things like that. Yeah, because he had so, a needle in that eye. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and, and I wonder. I do wonder whether that was a bit sort of symbolic of what he did to Ellie with the screwdriver. I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. you know, it sort of it was almost like this is what they did to me. I'm going to do this to you, and sort of poked out with it. I think, yeah, yeah. The, the secret to the, the sort of secret to defeating the marker, I think, was somehow in inside of his eyeball. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why Strauss decided to try. You know, how he tried to tell. I mean, I think Strauss had good intentions of what he did, but I think that was the way that he was trying to communicate to Isaac of what needed to be done. Yeah, he wanted to destroy the marker, didn't he? You know, that's what Strauss wanted to do. Um, 
so yeah, so so then we have this running battle that we've mentioned up towards up to the end of the game, and then you get the final showdown with yeah. the marker and and obviously Nicola again, isn't it? As uh, mm. yeah, what did you think of that? Well, uh, I had no idea because the thing is, as as Isaac gets to the marker, yeah, um, Tideman stops him first. That's right, and yeah, but that that was great. Again, you know, I'm, I keep saying these bits that I felt satisfying. That felt very satisfying. Yes, I say. and Tideman kind of approaches him with the remember the harpoon gun, sort of like a harpoon yeah, type of thing. That's right. And I remembered going in to because apparently he fights the marker sort of inside his own mind at that point, and I remember going in there and dying, and I thought that that was the way it was. I thought that was what was supposed to happen, and then he sort of exits out of his own mind, um, or out of the DNA in his own eye, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever the hell it is, yeah. Uh, and literally aims the harpoon gun into the bottom of his chin and shoots it and lodges the thing up through his skull. Yep. And I said, "Wow!" Like it shocked me. Like if that was the end of the game, if that was what it took to to kill the marker, I would have loved that. And then it reloaded, yeah. and I said, ah. You, you know. know, I saw that cutscene about four times. Yeah, so did I. So I was did like, I. oh, God, I've got to watch it again. Because I kept, bloody Nicole kept creeping up on me when I wasn't ready for it. And once you've been caught by Nicole, that was it. There was no, yeah. you couldn't stop it. You know, that was it. It was just that cutscene. I was like, oh, ah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I didn't have much ammo left, so I had to get my shots really accurate, you know, for yes. the, you know, on the final boss thing, you know. Just and I think it. the most annoying thing was, was she kept on sending the pack at you, which were all the uh, small kids, not the not the exploding babies, but the small kids, like shadow versions That's of small right. kids. So you had to be dealing with them and then mm-hmm. dealing, obviously, and, and you had to you obviously aim for her first to make sure yeah. that you got her as quickly as possible. I tried to ignore the little things and tried to just aim for her all the time. Yeah, which just I think the first time you run into the pack was right outside of the daycare when you can't get in there until you come back later which we didn't even talk about the daycare the daycare was creepy yeah it was yeah it was creepy that part was great i will just never forget like all the posters everywhere and the the errant bells telling you what time it was and whether you know what i mean and uh little things like uh going up on the stage remember that part where it was like a cafeteria that converted into a gym and you're up on the stage there yes that's and the bit the st- I was referring to, where you sort of yes. yeah, where you're going through, and it, you have to go behind and then and defend the stage, and and that stupid cardboard cutout of that sun falls down with that smiley face and literally scares the piss out of you. Yes. Uh, but anyway, anyway, yeah. so we're we're at the end. We're at and the end. We're at the end. Man, I the boss fight was okay. I was um, I was a bit. I, I personally, I'm really over boss fights. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want boss fights at the end of games anymore. It was too much, you know. I'd, I'd yeah. rather have. I'd have been happy with just a running battle to the end. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? That sort of running away sort of thing, and then maybe I don't know having. So I don't know. I just feel that games still have to, you know, follow the formula of a boss fight at the end. Of, uh, you know, now and they, they need to find a way of doing it better. You well, know? the bad thing is it had to be something epic. Yeah. You know, and I once you sort of defeat Nicole, which is sort of staggering her power enough to lose concentration so you can fire at the marker in the distance. Yeah. Uh, sort of, you know, you you exit exit Isaac's mind at that point, and he sort of slumps to the ground, you know. Yeah. He, he falls down, and he 
sits there and, you know, he thinks, okay, well, the job is done. I've done what I was supposed to do. And I, I was I, so happy with that. I love I that. wanted that to be the That's end. Exactly. Me too. That yep. was it. You know, there was no happy ending. It was he'd done what he was needed to do and that was it. I, I I would have much preferred that as an ending, to be honest. Yeah. I was a bit disappointed that have you have you played the Metro twenty thirty three? No, huh? See the end of that game basically you set it you set off um, like some nuclear warheads at the end. Uh are you ever likely to play it? Probably not. Because I'm spoiling it now. Uh <laughs> but you, you end up on this huge gigantic tower sat on the top of it watching the, the sort of warheads explode below you. And that's it. That's the end, you know, and that sort of yeah. and it, that feeling of isolation. That you know that you're not going to survive at the end of it all. That's it, you know. But you've done what you had to do. And and that's how I felt at the end of Dead Space 2, and I'd have much preferred that than what they did, you know. And I think, you know, it's a franchise thing, unfortunately, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean... My thing is, and it it, it kind of goes back to the same way that I'm getting to feel about the Assassin's Creed franchise. Is I'm starting to get sick of Ezio. I'm done with Ezio. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's not the fact that I'm done with Isaac, but there's so many other stories to be told, and so many different protagonists that can be used for this kind of thing. You know, it's maybe maybe I want a Dead Space game that is you know that stars a military type of person with different weapons and things like that. You know. Um, but I I want more stories, and and that's kind of you know what I got. I guess in a second I'll just briefly touch on Severed on the DLC when we're done. But I, I, Isaac gets a gets a call from Ellie, and she flies down, busts through the ceiling, and snatches him up and flies away, and it's a happy ending. Which yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit like the old Hollywood. It's got to have a happy ending. Yeah. You can't have a, you know. And it it wasn't not a happy ending because you know you it felt satisfying. Well, and she talk... only had one eye, so it was kind of tragic. I, mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess, I guess. And then you get the very final sort of, you know, um, if you watch to the end, which is the longest credits I think I've ever watched in a game. Oh yeah, it was oh, yeah. massively long. Uh, but then there's obviously a little sort of um, audio at the end. You know, saying that the, the marker's been destroyed, but they'll have to pick up the pieces at other sites where there's other markers. So you know it's not the end because, oh, you know, these markers are everywhere. You know, they get everywhere, those markers. You know what I mean? There's yeah. not just that one, unfortunately. They're all over the bloody place. Well, that's good, though. I mean, I, I think there is enough in this franchise to draw from, you know, and as long as Visceral can keep it fresh and not rehash the same, uh, the, you know, the same stuff then I don't, I don't see any reason why it should stop anytime soon. And I will say those credits, they were long because, I mean, obviously this is a huge production. I mean, and that is not to be underestimated at all. But uh, the music, I think, that we're going to play here in a minute is the credits music from Dead Space 2, which I really liked. It, it sort of had this kind of rock um, mentality to it, but it was still sort of mellow and somber at the same time. Yeah, I think what's, what's cool for me from playing that very first game all that time ago and, and seeing it announced and just thinking it was going to be some throwaway, you know, horror action game that I wouldn't be really, you know, no one would be that bothered about to what it ended up. I think, you know, that's what, you know, makes me most pleased about this franchise, you know, and everything that it's done so far. It is definitely anything but, isn't it? Yeah. And the fact that it is, 
you know, taken for me, I guess, and, uh, you know, I haven't played that many, but the throne of, you know, one of the best survival horror games, you know, out there. And I guess we're probably going to see here in a few days at E3 maybe a new Resident Evil and a new Silent Hill. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see. I've only played one Silent Hill game, and that was on the Wii, uh, which yeah. was a Shattered Memories one. Which uh, I haven't played yet, but I heard is a brilliant, fantastic brilliant game. game. It's yeah. such a clever game. And, and again, it's another... And I guess it probably only sold about 5,000 copies or whatever. I know. Or whatever. You and I. You and I. Uh, That's it. But it's, it is a great game, you know, and it's definitely worth a play. And I've never played any others, but it's so... The fact you have no weapons is, is such a really mm-hmm. interesting dynamic in that game. You can't shoot anything. All you can do is run away, <laughs> you know, and that is it. But, yeah, great game. Um, so, yeah, do you want to have a quick quick mention about Severed? Uh, just really quick, and I don't think I even want to spoil anything about it. Yeah. Uh, it does star Gabe Weller and Lexine Murdoch from Dead Space Extraction. Ah. So... Apparently, uh, Gabe Weller has taken a position with the CEC in the Titan Mines. So kind of what happens is you start in the Titan Mines and you work your way back to the hospital, which is where Lexine is, and you're trying to free her because they have taken her uh, sort of prisoner because she has this immunity to whatever the marker's thrall, or I guess whatever the marker's thrall is. Uh, and it's up to you to stop her because obviously, you know, there's treachery and things afoot. It's only about two, two and a half chapters worth in length. So how lo- how long is that in time then? So how long did it take? It's a couple hours. It's not really all that long. I don't really even know if it's worth ten bucks. But I was so super into this game at the time. I bought it a while ago, and then, like I said, just finished it. But um, it has a pretty cool ending. Uh, and there, like I said, is some twists and turns and, you know, a, a nice betrayal or two. And uh, everything that the Dead Space franchise is known for at this point. I think what's cool um, is all the different media things, you know, just to round everything up. Um, all the different media types that have been, you know, like the graphic comics, the, the different games. And, and they all, the, all of them have a purpose, you know. Yes. None of them don't fit into the universe or the story of Dead Space, and they all sort of fit somewhere, and they all add to the to the you know the universe of Dead Space. And I think that's what I've you know everything seems to have a purpose that they've done so far. Yes, and and I think that's what what I think is one of the coolest things I think they've done above everything else is like you say you know there's not many games that have this really well built backstory, you know, yeah. and and that's what I think the, the final thoughts for me. What about you? Any final thoughts? Just looking forward to more, uh, you know, I mean, and, and I think like you said, there is such this rich tapestry to draw from that they've really established something that is more than just a story, more than just one story. It's an actual world, you know, all into itself, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to more DLC. I'll probably I'll probably buy it because I'm a sucker like that for uh, for pieces of media that tell a, a great story. And, um, you know, they've, they, I think they gave me more than $60 worth, but we didn't mention the multiplayer, which is kind of a throwaway multiplayer. And I just never really played it, nor did I care to, you know, that's why I, that's the reason I didn't mention it is because I don't even care. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't, I've never, I've never even played it. I've never even attempted to play it. So no, you're sort of like me where you don't, you don't play games with people. I think. 
I do I do play games with people, <laughs> but I'm not interested in in multiplayer games that much. Although I did play uh, Team Fortress Two tonight and quite enjoyed that. So yeah. well, not to throw away multiplayer of the week, kinda. No, no, definitely not. Um, So anyway, I'd like to thank you, Steve, for coming on. I think that's been good. Yeah, I've enjoyed uh, talking all things Dead Space. You know, I really enjoyed that. It was good. It was good. So uh, thanks for coming, and I hope all the listeners enjoyed it. And uh, do you want to just do a few shout-outs from sort of where you... Because for people who who don't know who you are, because there might be people who don't listen to the Gamesman, if you want to just sort of give out, you know, website, your podcast, uh, contact details, all that sort of stuff, and then we'll Uh get the hell out of here. Yeah, uh, I am J-S-S-L-I-F-E-L-I-K-E pretty much everywhere. Um, Steam, Skype, uh, PSN, Xbox Live, you know, pretty much everywhere. And you can sort of uh, catch what I have to offer at thegamesmen.com, which uh, right now the, the main show's kind of on hold. We're kind of trying to figure a few things out. Uh, but every two weeks we do have uh, Pixel Tracks, which is our music trivia show. And we're on Season 1, Episode 5. Uh, this season will wrap up at Episode 6. And the person that is in first place on the leaderboards will win $20 of their favorite gaming currency. And uh, then we'll be starting all over again with Season 2, which will be another six episodes. So if you get a chance, check it out. If you like gaming music, if uh, if you maybe... You might like some music that you didn't know you like, and you may go back and want to play uh, whatever selections that uh, that we that we put on there. Okay, well, thank, thanks ever so much for that. Um, my, I'm not really going to do any shout-outs on this because I'll be doing those tomorrow when I record our <laughs> normal show. Um, but I'd just like big, massive thanks for doing this with me. And, you know, it's something I've wanted to do for a while, but never. it took me a while to just get around to finishing Dead Space 2, oh, so... I so know. thanks, thank you ever so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And hopefully the listeners enjoyed it. So uh, on that note, uh, enjoy the end music. Um, and we, we're getting the hell out of here. So see you later. Good night.